is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up? Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you along with Michael Remus, and we have an absolutely packed show. Got to get to the Jets win last night in New Jersey and look ahead to uh, going back-to-back this evening. Jets' first visit to Belmont Park in the new home of the New York Islanders. Weeb's World, Ken Weeb, will join us from NYC coming up a little later on in the program. We'll also discuss a a wild night in the National Hockey League last night with Remus. And Dennis Bernstein of the fourth period is going to jump on um, a little more on what he's hearing trade-wise in and around the league, as well as some of the big stories, um, including Jack Eichel's return to Buffalo last night and uh, the Calgary Flames continuing to roll in the West. A little later on, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton will join us for a Friday visit. Huge week in the National Football League with some big quarterback moves, some signings, some trades, and of course, Major League Baseball now officially off the banned list of Winnipeg Sports Talk because they got a deal. We'll find out what this means for the game going forward, what will be different this year, and of course, get ready for an absolute flurry of free agent signings and moves that have been on hold throughout the winter. So all that coming up, of course, it's Friday afternoon. It's our anniversary week. We'll be doing a big marble race coming up at the end of the program as well. So uh, buckle up and great to have you with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. As always, a big shout out to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Not Auto Corp, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, and our friends downtown at F Apparel. Let's get Michael Remus in here and get this party started what's good dude us i'm just here trying to trying to think if we have a goalie controversy or not with the winnipeg jets <laughs> uh, goalie controversy it's here i mean what a stirring it up yeah stirring it up. hard not to feel good uh last night if um you know with the jets winning 2-1 didn't have their best games but so many times this year like ah the Jets deserved a better fate. They played so well. And, you know, maybe there were times where New Jersey uh, had the Jets hemmed in. But, hey, all you need is one chance. And Kyle Connor on the breakaway gives him the 2-1 lead. And Eric Comrie shuts the door. And I think everyone, everyone who was in this chat in the summer, on social media, we got emails from people who were worried that the Jets wouldn't. I got to go pull this email up from the summer. <laughs> this guy was so worried that the Jets would not win a game with Eric Comrie. Now, what are we going to do? And I was like, I don't know. We'll, we'll just get a new goalie, but this is what they're going to go with. So I'm not going to say I was like fully confident, but I was willing to give the guy a shot. And, you know, I'm, shoot, I'm assuming it would have been a short leash, but this guy, Eric Comrie, has done everything asked of him this season and more. I mean, his numbers are better than Hellbucks. And I think it's, you know, I said Brossois had earned himself more starts. He never, never got it. I wasn't sure about Comrie, but he's, Deserves a couple more, and I mean, I don't know if Hellbuck lets in three-plus tonight. I mean, do you go with Comrie against St. Louis? He played with them. Uh, you played against them pretty well earlier this year, so goalie controversy. Let's go now. <laughs> hey, um, yeah, uh, listen, what can you say about Comrie? I mean, I was joking around. Now that he's got his 10 games and he's 7-2-1, and one, um, you know, he'd be right up there with the best winning percentages of starting goaltenders in the in the National Hockey League with a minimum of 10 games played. And you're exactly right. You're exactly right. We should be serving up a large platter, 
a smorgasbord. You know how Ken talks about going to the buffet? Half the people in our chat probably need to go to the buffet where the only thing being served is crow because Eric Comrie's made a lot of people eat crow. And it's such a great story. I mean, he's a guy that's very easy to easy to cheer for. And and listen, I mean, I'll be the first one to admit I wasn't sure how it was going to go. But like I said at the beginning of the season, I mean, let's give this guy a chance. Let's see what, you know, let's see what he can do. And, you know, to his credit, Remo, he's been put in some tough situations and he has played his ass off. And uh, he was phenomenal last night. Um, had a big smile after the game. We'll get to, we've got, got a funny clip coming up of, a, you know, of one of the topics that we'd had yesterday. Um, but overall, he provided the Jets the sort of goaltending performance that you needed to make. And Listen, this goes back to the conversation we had yesterday about Dave Lowry's decision to go with Comrie last night. Um, it allowed Connor Hellebuck an extra day of rest, and now they'll have their number one guy ready for the New York Islanders tonight in another game that they absolutely have to win. So, uh, you know, there's been you know a lot of disappointments this year. Eric Comrie, certainly not one of them. And, um, you know, one of the great parts of this Winnipeg Jets season has been the way that he's played and certainly has given some steam to the conversation that probably deserves more starts and give Connor Hellebuck more rest. And I don't think that's something that many people thought we'd be saying at the, as the uh, season uh, started. Yeah. And then if anyone thinks I'm being serious when I say goalie controversy, I'm clearly having some fun. Um, you know, Connor Hellebuck, he's the number one guy, but I don't think you can argue that he has struggled the last couple of games. Um, you look at the numbers. I mean, Comrie, he's been excellent. 234 goals against 10 or sorry, seven, two and one record 920 save percentage and hellbuck he's got a you know much higher goals against 297 and and 908 save percentage so i think the ability to spell him and give him that extra day's rest and have a goalie backup goalie that you have confidence in you need that because goalies don't play you know craig anderson got his 300th win i was like how did this guy get 300 well he played 70 games one year for colorado which seems absolutely <laughs> absurd goalies don't do that anymore so uh, I mean, what a performance by Eric by Eric Comrie! Incredible, and uh, you know, he's asked after the game has about the uh, about you know playing against New Jersey before. And here, I'll get get that loaded up. Yes, yeah, well, we did talk about whether it was going to be a big revenge game, whether there would be a tribute to Comrie, maybe with a picture of him quarantining for two weeks. Um, <laughs> uh, he he, you know, because that's essentially what he's doing. He did again into one game for New Jersey and uh, went back and uh, played played very well. But uh, he was asked about the return to New Jersey uh, after last night. And of course he was all smiles after his big win. So in the last time out now in New Jersey, is this the Eric Comrie revenge tour here? <laughs> I don't know. I think if you only spend a month in a place, it doesn't count as a revenge tour. Were you wondering where the tribute video was? No. <laughs> I don't think there was going to be. Guys joked about it before the game, but no. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I love every single second I was in New Jersey. They had an, an unbelievable goalie coach here that actually helped my game out a lot. Um, he progressed me a lot into the NHL level, and I, I give him a lot of credit for what he did with me here. And uh, obviously, Flats here done. Right. So. All right, so there's Eric Comrie, star of the show last night. Um, but there were a number of other interesting things from uh, from that game. I mean, let's talk about the winning goal, Kyle Connor. Hands up if you knew that it was in the net right away, um, because a lot of people didn't. Uh, the broadcasters, Dennis, you know, did know the New Jersey guys cut to a commercial saying that it was out of play and then had to come back and sort of let everyone know, all their viewers, that actually the Winnipeg Jets had just scored. But man, the thing that stood out to me about that that goal, Remo, was how loud 
the ding off the crossbar was. I mean, it sounded like it was a massive slap shot, and it was just a, a very close-range roof job by Kyle Connor, um, just displaying another uh, bit of his otherworldly hands last night for the Jets. He had it the other night um, on the shorty goal, the quick, with the quick stopping, and there he was with the quick hands. I thought it hit the bar and went out, but I knew that. I was like, oh, I didn't, you know, usually you can see it go out. I definitely didn't see it, but I trusted um, Dennis. I think Kyle Connor, did he say after he thought he knew it was in, but Comrie said, you know, Connor usually celebrates a bit. Um, <laughs> and he, I don't think there was a celebration. Usually the guys know. So I had no idea. I thought maybe there was a chance because I didn't see it get out, but like you didn't see it anywhere. It happened so fast. And even the ref, who's literally standing right behind the net, said, waved it off and said, no goal. Um, so, I mean, I think that just shows you Hess, how impossible refing is. Because if you're right there and you can't see it go in, um, the puck is moving extremely fast. The players are fast. You go to make a split-second decision. You are literally in the spot watching the puck go in, and he, he didn't know. So I, I think I don't blame the guy at all, the ref at all, for not seeing it. I know that's like his job, but I do believe refing is impossible. <laughs> a thankless job that yes. is for sure hey quickly uh do you want to give a shout out to bruce h and justin fung and thank them for jumping on and uh being a supporter a member of winnipeg sports talk something that we launched for the first anniversary earlier for people that want to support the channel it's a two dollars and remus you have added some new emojis i see to uh the uh yeah. the options for members when they're going into the chat yeah, just dropped the Kyle Connor emote uh, in there, and <laughs> nice. And there is a there's a water bottle for when Kenny comes on today, and a saw for for hacksaw. Nice. So, so <laughs> we're having some fun here, having some fun here in the chat. So, uh, yeah, we're talking, you know, talking talking Jets. What a what a win was yesterday, and now we're going back to back us against the New York Islanders, who laid the smackdown on Columbus six goals. Now we talk about this might be the battle for like the most disappointing team this year. We asked Frank Cervelli earlier this week. Uh, check out what is that what, Tuesday's show if you missed it. But he said the Jets, I think, in the West and the Islanders. I mean, who've been to the were in the conference final uh, last year. I mean, it's been tough, tough go for them. They shut out Columbus, so I think battle. What the loser is the most disappointing team in the league? Is that what the bowl is that we're talking about tonight? Well. Uh... <laughs> They're the teams that are in the conversation. There's no doubt about it. Now, it's hard to really pinpoint where everything went wrong for the Islanders because, I mean, they started off the first 13 or 14 games of their season on the road, and they got devastated by COVID before the National Hockey League was in the business of pausing games and letting guys, you know, waiting till a full roster was back. Um, so they were pretty unlucky when it came to, um, you know, came to all of that. And there's never really been able to, to steady the ship so far. And, you know, I think, you know, we've kind of known that, you know, really almost at New Year's pretty much knew the teams that were going to be in the playoffs in the East. So, uh, listen, I think there was a lot of speculation as to what that means for Barry Trotz. Um, certainly after Paul Maurice left, a lot of hopeful people around this area that maybe Barry Trotz would be on the market and might be excited by the opportunity to come to Winnipeg, but um, he's still there in New York. And I don't imagine that Lou's going to be going away from their coach. That has been uh, such a big, big part of their success so far. But as far as this game tonight goes, Reem, I mean, yeah, listen, they got the win against Tampa. got the win last night. We've said that 
Uh, you know, the only way that, you know, Kevin Sheveldayoff is going to have tough decisions to be made at the trade deadline is for this team to go on a heater and do it right now. And, uh, hey, two wins in a row, they'll try and make it three. We haven't seen a lot of three-game win streaks so far this season, but uh, tell you what, they could get some people excited. And if they can win tonight and, dare I say, Sunday, may we have to fire up the Undertaker gif on Monday for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, I mean, we're keeping an eye on Money Puck. They've got their playoff stats. Uh, what, the Jets were like 4% before, then 7% to make the playoffs. Oh, were they 7? Well, they're, they're 5% now to make the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, somehow, they somehow won what? and went down last that's, night. So I'm gonna, uh, I got to check that, that math. Yeah, that's fake. Yeah, that's fake. We don't, believe, we don't believe in that. Maybe because so many teams played, but I mean, look, there is a shot. I think it's an outside shot, um, but... It's more fun hoping, you know, they can win and play well than uh, being in tank central with the expectations coming in. So, I know you look at the, I think the Islanders, you know, the Jets were big underdogs last night. And I'm actually yeah, plus had, 107 on the money line. That was a winner. So, I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what, what to think for tonight. Uh, you know, Hellbuck, I think he's got to have a big game here. Us, you got a tired team in front of him. And he, you know, they've had this stretch. They broke it yesterday of letting in three plus goals. So now it's Hellbuck's turn to do it. So it's pretty even. Jets, Colbett is Jets minus 104, Islanders minus, uh, minus 112. So I don't know if you think the Jets can get on a three game heater, you know, throw down on them. Yeah, we'll hit the lines a little bit later on today. Uh, but, you know, big opportunity for the Jets to try to keep this thing going after a couple strong games. Uh, well, a really strong game against the Tampa Bay Lightning and a game last night that. You know, if Eric Comrie doesn't play the way that he played, I'm not sure we're maybe having a different conversation. Um, but I'll tell you what, just a couple other things. I mean, that goal from Brandon Dillon was uh, was big league. I mean, great pass by Mark Scheifele on the two-on-one. Dillon made absolutely no mistake. But, Reem, and I mentioned this last week, I think. Brandon Dillon has some deceptive speed. I mean, there's been a few cases in the last few weeks where he's found himself jumping up into the play um, he had a borderline breakaway a few weeks ago, and yes. you know, there's been a couple two-on-ones where he's really turned the Jets on, and his finish last night to get the Jets on the board in uh, the in the first period was, uh, well, frankly, was something I think the team and the coaching staff would love to see a little bit more from the blue liners on the whole, uh, but he was uh, big, steady, and uh, made an impact offensively as well last night. Yeah, and I remember that game it was against Edmonton on uh, what, the afternoon game where he had a breakaway and then Lowry had a breakaway right after and scored but I mean Brendan Dillon was laying the body last night that's what you want to see from him and then showing some offensive talent I did like to play Mark Shifley you know often I've been critical of Jets defensemen for on a two-on-one they go and just like flop on the ice and, and dive and the pass has happened twice against Dallas the pass just goes under them you know on a two-on-one well Mark Shifley uh, turned the tables yesterday finding uh Brendan Dillon and uh you know getting it to him and Dylan put in the back of the net. And so I think he's coming on and I know there's a lot of talk like which veteran defenseman should the jets trade because they got to make room for some of these young guys. I think Brendan Dylan might have the most value um, to other teams, but I also think he's pretty valuable to the jets because you know, you need different types of dudes and he's a, a tough physical player and they just really don't have a lot of that. So I don't know how you, how you trade him, but I think that's something we're watching for as we approach the trade deadline there. And, you know, we talk about Mark Shifley. We do have to mention there was that one play where what he was like in the slot and uh, pa was passed off to Blake Wheeler. Mark Shifley. I mean, he's got one of the elite wrist shots in the league. 
Go, you're in the slot. Rip it. So Wheeler think, couldn't believe it either. I mean, yeah. that was, I think, part of the reason why he kind of, you know, muffed the pass and you know, didn't get a shot off because it was almost inconceivable that he mm-hmm. actually passed in that situation. Um, just as far as Dylan goes, I'm seeing Phyllis in the chat. Dylan is fantastic. We have to keep him. Todd Fertani, what's up, Todd? Hashtag no trading Dylan. Um, I'm sort of there as well. I mean, I do realize that, you know, what he brings to the table, his contract at less than $4 million with a couple years left would be attractive to other teams, especially as you get ready for the playoffs. But man, when I think about the five defensemen the Jets have, and if we're talking about trading one, there's a, some other guys I would be far more willing to move before I uh, moved on from Brendan Dillon. Hey, I got to go through some of these comments and we're, we're going to move on and showed it to PDJ NYC who agrees with me. He says, Dylan's the kind of guy we need on the back end. No trading uh, BD. But I don't know. I think you'd have to listen. I well, listen to offers uh, here. Oh, oh, here's the real question from Turd Ferguson. This is, would Brendan Dillon be considered a fat guy on Nintendo? That's Nintendo ice hockey. If so, is he is untouchable. And I would agree. They don't have a lot of fat guys. I think he's he's a fat guy. So and funny he brought that up because literally it, as you did your take on Dylan, I was just about to commend you hmm. for actually being able to make your point about Dylan fitting into the Winnipeg Jets without a Nintendo ice hockey reference. And uh, then sure enough, Turd teed you up for it. And, uh, and we're right back to where we usually are. Okay, well, I was going through, you know, we're talking about Eric Comrie, and I'm going through some of the comments from the uh, training camp. Oh, and, yes. Oh, okay. This is one comment good. from Randy. Take off your rose-colored glasses. We're in big trouble if Comrie's the backup. He's been sent packing twice and been sent back. So that was... <laughs> oh, uh, Randy. This is, this is a freezing cold take segment yeah. of Winnipeg Sports Talk featuring... Your takes on Eric Comrie at the beginning of the season. This was a comment from training camp from Ty Jett. Comrie is no NHL goalie. Huge mistake not bringing in more goalies. Uh, (laughs) Let me see. I mean, uh, uh, who? And here's Tico Napoli. He said in chat that um, he's been on the Comrie train the whole time. Or Schickster called it the Comrie caravan. He says... Uh, Comrie, give it a chance. That's what all T. Kona Pauly wrote. Yeah, go with Caravan, not Convoy. Yeah, yeah, Caravan, (laughs) not the Comrie Convoy. Maybe we should call it the Comrie Convoy. Oh man, oh, oh man. So too many, too many things might be tied to that. Uh, We've had enough Convoy talk here for a long time. Hey, uh, shout out to uh, Brennan W. and Corbin uh, Bowen. Thanks a lot, guys, for uh, for your support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. This is uh, uh, this is wonderful. But yeah. The Comrie, the Comrie caravan or whatever we want to call it is growing. And hey, he deserved an opportunity to show what he could do and um, tell you what he stepped up. He's been the guy that they have needed him to be. Uh, and I'll tell you what, if we go and get Derek, what's up? Thanks a lot for the support, pal. Um, you know, if Eric Comrie can, you know, maybe get a few more games in and continue to play at this level, I think we all agree that Connor Hellebuck could probably use a few less nights in the net. Um, and hopefully that helps Connor in going forward. Bottom line is, assuming that Eric Connery is with the club next year, I think they now have a situation where they don't need to be as desperate to play Connor Hellebuck as much as they have played him, certainly so far this year. And listen, I get it. I mean, if I'm Paul Maurice, if I'm Dave Lowry, and I'm going into a big game, I want the guy that has been the backbone of this team for a number of years playing. But the more confidence you have in your backup goaltender, the better the young man plays. I think the more likely you are to move off of that. And it's interesting. I mean, we saw that St. Louis start. 
um, in and around the All-Star break, which was a big, big game. Eric Comrie was in. I think many of us were surprised that he played. He got the job done right now. And uh, to be honest, Remo, like you mentioned earlier on, considering the sort of rough few games that Connor Hellebuck has had in the net, sitting out last night, getting back into it tonight. I mean, I think the biggest story around the Winnipeg Jets is how Connor Hellebuck responds um, to, you know, a night off and another opportunity to, uh, you know, hopefully have a game with uh, less red lights flashing behind his head. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the move going with Comrie for game one. I mean, you wouldn't, I think it would make more sense. You would want to have the stronger goalie for the, with the tired team. So it always seemed to me like you're putting the backup in a, you know, a tougher situation with the tired team in front of him. But I also think it was relevant to give Hellbuck a rest just because the way that it's gone for him hasn't been the Hellbuck that we've seen in the past, the Vesna Trophy winning Connor, Connor Hellebuck. So uh, Eric Comrie, he's definitely earned himself some more starts. And again, great, great performance last night. There's what, there was one in the third period where he went uh, post to post on an odd man rush. And you're like, oh man. Oh, that yeah. was such a massive save. Yeah. I mean, we were, uh, we were on our feet gathered around the uh, the wood last night watching the game. And there was a, <laughs> that was maybe the save of the game. But um, listen, bottom line is they needed to win. Um, you know, we can talk about, uh, you know, who played well, the ups and downs. They're right back at it tonight against the Islanders in another game that they got to get two points out of. And, um, you know, they put themselves in a situation where, you know, they do need a lot of help. Um, and the scoreboard last night wasn't particularly kind to the Winnipeg Jets. But I'll tell you what, um, you know, win a few more games and, you know, it'll give us something to talk about and maybe hope for in and around Winnipeg. But it's still a long, long grind for the Jets to get back into the mix. Although I'll say this, Reem, I know we're going to get to this with Dennis Bernstein. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights, who are here on Tuesday night, are struggling in a big, big way. And uh, they lose to Philly in regulation earlier this week. And then in Jack Eichel's return last night to Buffalo... They lose to the Sabres. And not only that, Eichel gets booed, but Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs, the guys that came over in the trade for Eichel, were the guys that scored for Belo. I have to say, I mean, I got a soft spot for Buffalo and their fans. Um, this entire ordeal, I think, has really sucked the life out of much of that fan base. It was great to see them get that win last night. And uh, certainly the other teams that are hoping to sneak into a playoff spot in the West were appreciative that Buffalo knocked the Vegas Golden Knights off. And uh, was it a good night for Jack Eichel? No, and he, he cut a WWE-style promo on the fans there. I don't know if that's a great look, but I, I think since he's come in, maybe it's kind of disrupted uh, their team's chemistry. I mean, they're trying to figure out the lines. I know Mark Stone is injured. Like, you think Vegas should be better? No, Leonard uh, is hurt. They got Brossois. I'm curious to see. We're going to be seeing Vegas uh, twice here in the next couple of weeks. So, um, so I don't think they've definitely been a bit of a disappointment considering how all in they've gone. But luckily for them, as you know, they're on a two-game losing streak. They're still what third in the Pacific, but two points up uh, on Anaheim with an extra game. Vancouver's in there as well. So, um, I still think they can. I think Vegas is a good team, but it's definitely been rough. But we do have uh, we have the Jack Eichel. Yeah, let's get, oh, yeah, no. this is so, you know, Eichel, you know, had to meet the media afterwards. He was obviously pissed, probably a little bit embarrassed that they uh, had lost to the team. And um, let's face it, his return got the fans fired up. We hadn't heard it for a while. This is how it sounded after the game last night. This is about the loudest I've heard this place ever. <laughs> really? After, after uh, it only took seven years of me leaving for them to uh, get into the game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there was mixed, uh, you know, it was a nice tribute and, uh 
you know, um, there was plenty of people here that were supporting me, and there was plenty of people here that were booing me. So uh, they must just be booing me because they wish I was still here. I don't know. Um, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I'm not the first kid to deal with it. So just move on. And uh, yeah, it was a tough game. You know, give them credit. They played hard. Uh, yeah, you got to face the music after a game like that. Not the return that Jack Eichel expected heading back to Buffalo. As I mentioned, Ken Weaves in New York. He's going to join us coming up a little later on in the program. We'll also have Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. We're going to get into all the big stories around the National Hockey League in just a second with Dennis Bernstein of the fourth period. Um, don't forget our friends at F Apparel. Have you ready for all those big events coming up in the summer? Weddings, graduations, and more. Uh, I know the last couple of years, we haven't done a lot of formal events with the COVID-19 but every guy does need at least one suit that fits and looks great. And F's custom-made suits start at just $400. They've got it all. Dress shirts, winter jackets, untucked dress shirts, shoes, golf pants, uh, shirts, ties, and more. And uh, great deals as well. If you're doing a wedding this winter, uh, this summer, talk to Andrew and the guys there. Get you 15% off the entire wedding party when you order your suits from F Apparel. And a great option for high school graduates as well. Pop down and see them at 190 Smith Street or find out more. Book an appointment online at fephapparel.com. Uh, Vita Health, ready for the weekend. And, uh, you know, if you haven't been to Vita before, um, this is such a wonderful spot when it comes to the best prices on the greatest selection in Winnipeg of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries and it's not just groceries to make stuff they also have an amazing grab and go deli with great lunch options like vita market salads soups sandwiches and more listen if you can't make it into one of the seven locations visit their brand new fully shoppable website at myvita.ca to buy online or schedule a delivery with instacart vita health fresh market seven winnipeg locations including the newest store in linden ridge and check out everything vita health has going on online at myvita.ca. And uh, speaking of healthy living, it all starts with being hydrated. And when you think water in Winnipeg, you think of the great folks at Culligan. Family owned and being the go-to source for water in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba for 65 years. And they really do have it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Go and see the gang down at Culligan for all your water needs. 1200 Sargent Avenue, 694-5180. And you can find out more on all their services online at drinkculligan.com. All right, Jets Islanders tonight. Huge night last night in the National Hockey League with a number of interesting stories coming out of it. Let's welcome back in our good friend, Dennis Bernstein from the fourth period on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Dennis, what's going on? How are you? My man, Hustler, things are so good here in L.A. I'm going to make my first trip to your fair city, Winnipeg, um, on April 3rd to see the Kings and Jets play um, in Winnipeg. So I'm excited that, to talk to you and uh, looking forward to this trade deadline. That is the uh, that's the word on the street. Fourth period coming to the peg. Looking forward yeah. to it. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what, it's probably good that you're leaving it a couple of weeks. The, yeah. haven't quite got into <laughs> springtime around here yet. It's been a pretty ugly winter. Um, but as much as the winter has taken its toll on people around here, um, you know, the Jets disappointing season up to this point has really taken a toll on a lot of folks. Listen, they had a great win against Tampa earlier this week, a really fun night in the building that I think the fans needed as much as, you know, it, you know, minorly affects like the big road to climb win last sure. night. Um, 
But I'll tell you what, from one side of the things with the Jets having, you know, maybe not met the expectations, the team that you cover the most closely, the Los Angeles Kings, I think, have exceeded just about everyone's expectations. And I, myself included, I kind of thought that maybe the bottom would fall out at some point. We're past three quarters through the season. It doesn't look like that's happening. I mean, fill us in on what the Kings are doing right now. It's not a good start. It's a good team. Like they have forged an identity with Tom McClellan. They check and check and check some more because they're on a 100-point pace right now. Like when you look at their roster, so let's be real. It's not a 100-point roster. Phil Deneau scored his 17th goal last night. Like this is a team that's overachieved, that plays hard, has bought into their the system that Todd put in place. It makes them competitive in almost every game. They've had very, very few bad games. They still need to find a way to, to beat the San Jose Sharks, and I, I don't really understand why they can't beat that team. And uh, But this has been a great season, a really a validation of what Rob Blake and Luke Robitaille wanted to do three seasons ago when they said, we got to go to do a rebuild. And they could use any term they want, but it was a rebuild. But this team has performed. And also, I know they're all banged up, but they got to this point with Ole Mata, Mikey Anderson, and Toby Bjornford on the left side. Like, to me, that's just stunning. I think Ole Mata's plus 14. This team has responded. They're fun to watch. They're competitive. But now with the injuries, the question is, leading up to the deadline, you've got 11 days to go, do they have to add on the blue line? Do they have to go get another forward? So it's going to be very, very interesting to see what they do. I wouldn't be upset if they if they stand pat because they're not a contending team, right? They're not Calgary. They're not Colorado. They're not Tampa. They're not Florida. But maybe you reward this team say, hey, look, here's a little bit of insurance policy. You're going to the, the stretch with another proven player on the uh, roster. Hey, uh, just a quick shout out. Thanks, T-Bone, for a jumping on as a supporter. And a big shout out to you, Brad Roy. Appreciate the super chat. Hey, WST and the gang finally got a chance to get back. Hope all is well, Brad. Great to have you here. Um, Dennis, the Vegas Golden Knights are one of the most confounding teams in the league. Yes, they've had some injury problems and the goaltending situation is, you know, very concerning. I think if you're on the Vegas side of things uh, and Jack Eichel, I mean, you know, we knew that this guy is a stud player. Um, but man, it seems like he's shouldering a lot of pressure right now and hasn't quite clicked the way many people thought. And uh, what a scene last night in Buffalo where he's getting booed out of the building and it's Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs that are scoring for the Sabres <laughs> to beat Jack's new team. Look, I love what Jack did. And, you know, Hustle, we always want our players in the initial to speak out more. And then when they speak out, they get hammered. So I, I advocate for Jack. And he's right. There weren't more people in the building than last night when he came back. And I'm sure there's a faction of Buffalo Sabres fans that wish he was still here and it worked out. So I've got no problem with it. The problem with this team is health. Also. And, you know, Jack Eichel's a great player. And he's done pretty well. I'd probably grade him B plus eight minus since he's been back. But the heart and soul of that team is Mark Stone. And he's played injured all seasons on LTIR. When they're fully healthy, they're a cup contender. I just question if they ever will be fully healthy. And that includes the goaltender. And I told you this hustle when I came on this Winnipeg Sports Talk the first time. They traded the wrong goalie. That's what they did. It, Robin Leonard is 14 and 14 in the postseason. He can't stay healthy. They traded the wrong goalie. So they've made decisions that hurt the team. But I think overall, when you don't have Mark Stone, when you don't have Alec Martinez for months because of that nasty cut he received, yeah, on paper, when the roster's healthy and nobody's on LTIR, yeah, they could win it all. But I, I, I don't think they'll ever get healthy. So there's going to be some questions to answer. If, if, you, if they don't produce... And let's say they go out in the first round. Right now, they played the Kings. They'd, they'd be on the road. If they lost to the Kings in the first round, that's an abject fail of failure for this team. The question is who's going to be accountable for the failures 
that I think are coming in Vegas. Well, and here's the other thing about it, Dennis. Um, you know, they've played more games than most of the other teams in that yeah. mix. And I mean, these these numbers are are now getting into a critical area. Um, you know, if they don't turn it around and start putting up some wins, we could be talking about a team on the outside of the playoff line. And that almost seems inconceivable considering the hype and the excitement around this club. But I'm exactly with you. I mean, I think they they made the commitment to Robin Lehner because of age or whatever, and he just simply hasn't paid off. And I'll tell you what, they spent some money on the Rembrandt coming from Winnipeg, yeah. and I think it was a big, a huge opportunity for LB to show that he can yeah, be a number one everyday guy, and it doesn't seem like it's going very well for the former Winnipeg Jet. Yeah, but here's the here's the buffer zone for um, Vegas hustlers. Who's the team chasing them? Edmonton. Another team you can't rely on. So to me, I'm not feeling that upset if I'm going for the three seed when my competition's Edmonton. And now that they didn't play well last night, it, it was an emotional game, and you didn't think they were going to win because that team was laying for them. But tonight they go into Pittsburgh, and so if they lose again tonight. Then what? Like this, this team is in trouble. They may have enough to get across the finish line um, to make the postseason, but do I consider them a Stanley Cup contender? No way, shape, or form. Everybody would have to come back. Everybody would have to be healthy. I'm not sure Mark Stone's ever going to come back this season because a guy like that has missed 20 games. Do you know how hurt he's got to be? A guy who's a gamer like that, missing 20 games, his back is really, really messed up. And they're trying to find a way to fix it. But I just think without a player like that, I just think when times get tough in, in Vegas and they're in a series down 3-2, you need to talk to a guy like Mark Stone and a guy like Alec Martinez. And they're just not there right now. They just don't have enough leaders. It's amazing the discrepancy, and this sort of did come to fruition. I mean, there has been the great story of the uh, Kings, and Calgary has been, you know, a great oh, story this amazing. season. But man, you compare the teams in the Central Division to the Pacific right now, and the Jets are, I mean, sixth in the division, trying to catch Dallas. I mean, they cannot make the playoffs if they don't at least get to fifth in the division. And then right. you look at, you know, these teams on the bubble of third place in the Pacific right now, with Vegas and the Edmonton Oilers, and even Vancouver in the mix. Um, certainly a big, big difference, but I don't know what, how much of a reward getting the eighth spot is because you got to go up against the Colorado Avalanche, and that is an absolute buzzsaw. You think that they'll be very busy or aggressive going into the trade deadline, or will there be maybe part of the management thinking, you know, we have such a good thing going right now, uh, let's yeah. not screw it up. Well, I, I think they're deciding they're, they're done with the goaltenders. They're, they're going to go with these two guys. They're going to go with Kemper and they're going to go with Frank Cruz. I don't, I don't think they look at any options. I don't think they look at a Marc-Andre Fleury or thing like that. To me, the guy I'd want on this team, and I don't know how you make it fit. Maybe you got to get a 13 involved. Claude Giroux. That would be the one guy I would want to add because he gives some flexibility on right wing, flexibility in the middle. Because, Tosler, to be honest with you, I really like Nas Kadri. But is he going to keep his head in the postseason or is he going to do something stupid again and get suspended for seven games and you can have a hold center? That's what I would do. I'd buy an insurance policy in the middle. Claude Drew would be a great insurance policy. No disrespect to, 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 to Nas, but he's earned that reputation. Like he, he has to walk a very, very fine line. And one misstep or one bad decision, and then, then you'll be challenged. Plus, I, I don't know. They're so good, yet we're still questioning the goaltending. Like, is Darcy Kemper the guy? Every time he lives in a bad goal, oh, they are a superior, talented team. Um, so I don't think he will be that aggressive, Joe Sackick, with respect to the, the trade deadline. But if it was me, this is your time, right? You have to get to the cup final. It's good as Calgary's playing. You've got to be in the final. I'd love to see Giroux there. I think it would make sense. But you probably have to get a team like Arizona or Buffalo that has cap space to get involved to buy some of his cap space from Philadelphia. 
I'll say this. You mentioned the Calgary Flames. Um, you know, they were a team, and we did a special on one of the betting shows I do, and I was on with Chris yeah. Meany, uh, you know, at the at the All-Star break, and we were looking at the Stanley Cup odds, and we said, where's the best value on the board? And in the East, I thought it was Carolina just because of their path, mm -hmm. you know, with the division that they're right. in as opposed to, you know, Tampa and Florida and Toronto over on the other side. But Calgary at that time was in between 23 and 25 to 1. They didn't lose for about another three or four weeks since then. But, I mean, the story of the Calgary Flames is unbelievable. And I'll say this. In a city like Winnipeg, where assuming the team doesn't make the playoffs, there's going to be some real hard questions about what you do with the core moving True. forward, what changes will happen. The fact of the matter is that Calgary kept everyone together after that incredibly disappointing season. They lost Giordano in the expansion draft. They added Blake mm -hmm. Coleman, but that was really the only significant player moves. And your old pal Daryl Sutter's in there coaching the hell out of this team and turning mm -hmm. them into, you know, an absolute buzzsaw. And other teams may look at that and might say, oh, geez, maybe we should be a little bit more patient with the guys that we've had. But um, the bottom line is when you look at the NHL this season, the Calgary Flames have been one of the great stories and they are absolutely for real. Yeah, well, Lynn Holman and Backlund are the most underrated one-two punch in the middle in the league, without question, right? They're, they're not a high-profile. Johnny Goudreau's playing like an MVP. He won't win it, but he's playing like an MVP. And Jacob Markstrom is probably the MVP. Plus, eight shutouts for this guy? I mean, this is a danger. This team can go to the Stanley Cup final, without question. You watch the other night. They put Dan you – know, Dallas, so great. he's so, such a gamesman. He put Dan Vladar in, in, in Denver to beat – the Colorado Avalanche. They're not afraid of that team because you know what? They saw the way Vegas beat them last year. You got to be physical. You got to punch them in the nose. You got to see they react. They never reacted last year, and you question their team toughness. So to me, Calgary's a fantastic story. Daryl's not my favorite coach from his time here in L.A., but he, he's won two cups. He's done a marvelous start. He's got buy-in. You know why? Half the team are former L.A. Kings. I'm just kidding. But, you know, DeFoley, Trevor Lewis, Richardson. He had Lucic. Right, these character guys in the room are going to help this team in the postseason. They are a very dangerous team. It wouldn't shock me if it's if I'm going to Tampa, I'm going to Alberta for the Cup final because they're that good right now. You know what? Let, let's not stay in the in the West right now. Um, looking ahead to the deadline, I mean, we've talked a little bit about Colorado, and I mean, I would just say that Calgary might be as uh, aggressive as any team, considering you know the uncertainty about some players beyond this season and what they've right. done, the opportunity yeah. at hand, but. Um, when you're looking at the West, what general managers intrigue you the most, and who do you think will be the most aggressive as we get closer to uh, the 21st? I think without question, Pat Verbeek. He has decisions to make. Ampus Lindholm's unrestricted. Raquel's unrestricted. Josh Manson's unrestricted. And from what I hear, like I think Hampus is going to test free agency. I know there's some chatter about an extension. But if you sign there, plus you look at this team, yeah, they've got parts, and I love Trevor Zegers, and Jamie Drazo's going to be a – you know, a 15-year defenseman, but they got a lot of holes. And so to me, I would move all those players out. Now, Josh Manson's a different story. It, there's not a lot of conversation with Josh Manson because Josh Manson wants to stay in, in Southern California. He wants to stay in Orange County. He's in, entrenched there. His wife is from there. He doesn't want to move. Like, I, I will tell you, I'm, I'm pretty certain Edmonton wanted Josh Manson, but Josh Manson's thing, I'm not – He's there on my no trade list. I'm not going there. Yeah, I think, the Jets are, go. I think the yeah. Jets did the same thing last year from what we heard. We're yeah. sniffing around Josh Manson and would have loved to have got him, but um, it was just a no-go from the player's side, and that's not a new thing from a, from a Winnipeg perspective. Yeah, and that's why there isn't – you know, when you know a guy's going to stay, you don't have to 
you don't have to prioritize the, the contract selling. So some people are figuring out saying, oh, Jesse's going to say, I think it's just the opposite. I think he wants to say it and probably give him a discount. Ricard Raquel is hot right now. He's scoring goals. Trade him today before he gets cold Another next 10 days. Like, make that trade. So to me, Pat Verbeek can absolutely define the next two to three years of this team. I think if he smartly moves – and when you watch him play last night against National, and not only that, also, the only way this team has a shot at the playoffs is with a really good John Gibson – and they don't have a really good John Gibson right now. He's been bad. He's been a sieve. Some games he's given up a lot of bad goals. So to me, those three players, you know how much return you get? You can get five, six, maybe even seven, well, probably six assets for these players. Move them. Be smart, Pat. Move them out. So to me, what the Ducks do here from a selling standpoint is going to be very interesting. The one caveat is there's a lot of teams out of that hustle. This isn't a situation where 12 teams in each conference maybe got a shot. In the eight. There's eight in the East that's done. That's the side of what, maybe nine, ten in the West. It's it's right now a buyer's market because there's a lot of inventory in the market now with respect to trade. So the expect the, the return. Like I'll give you an example. You're not going to get the David Savard for a first and a third trade this year. It's not going to happen. Ben Chirot's still in Montreal because they can't get a first round pick for him. So we'll see what happens in the next eleven days. Well, and and here in Winnipeg, it's a really interesting interesting situation. I mean, I know a lot of people that are in the chat and are listening to this show every day. Um, you would love nothing more than the Jets to put together four or five wins and all of a sudden get a little bit closer to that line and at least be playing significant, important games past the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. But from Kevin Sheveldayoff's perspective, I mean, you do have to make some pretty important decisions. A player like Andrew Kopp to a contending team, uh, you know, the way he can play power play, penalty kill, play all up and down the lineup and a very produ- and a guy that's been productive mm-hmm. offensively, I think has uh, some interest. Paul Stastny is another veteran player that has an expiring contract that might be a good pickup. And, you know, there would be some people that would be a little hesitant to move on from those guys, but it would be hard to imagine the Jets being able to put themselves in a situation by trade deadline day where the general manager feels that he's got to keep those guys because they've got such a good run going on that they could mm-hmm. end up being a playoff team. But Hustle, let's be real. They make a good climb. They get to the 18, as you mentioned, they play Colorado and lose in four. Then what? And now these guys walk the free agency and you got well, no assets from The them. funniest thing about that, though, Dennis, is that if the Jets somehow played their they way play into Colorado, the playoffs, right? they would be the hottest team in the National Hockey League. <laughs> like, they pretty much would have to win about 18 right. of their final 23, 24 games to do it. So. Maybe they'd be uh, getting hot at the right time. I mean, all seriousness, yeah. though. I mean, you're exactly right. And, you know, it's, and, and, and maybe more so for a general manager like Kevin Sheveldayoff that probably yes. doesn't have the same opportunities of adding to his lineup through free agency. Um, you really do need to make the most of your asset management. And, um, you know, two players like that with expiring deals going into the playoffs, um, you know, are probably guys that they have to think long and hard about moving as long as the price is right. Um, you know, we've had a lot of speculation as to what Andrew Kopp might be able to get back mm-hmm. for the Winnipeg Jets. And and I'm not sure they're really into just getting a bunch of picks, to be honest. I mean, I think where this team right. is, there might be, you know, some shakeup of the core, but there's still a lot of talent on this team, as disappointing as the season overall has been. Yeah. And they're not looking to, you know, be planning for two, three, four years down the road. Um, if this season does end the way it is, you may have some significant changes to the core. But Hellebuck and Connor and uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who will need a new contract, and Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, all these guys are going to be here regardless of maybe even a big move as well happens. And that's not the sort of thing that you're looking to, you know, get a second and a third round pick for an important player mm-hmm. like Andrew Kopp. It might be a younger player that has a bit of a team control. And all the players that you mentioned that are core players in Winnipeg, what position are they forwards? 
but not defensemen. So I think if you're trading those players, you want defensive help. I agree with you with Cop. I think I go back to the trade, and it was unfortunate because they got hurt. Sammy played for Pavel Buchnevich, Rangers and Blues. And they Sammy got hurt. He tore his ACL. He's gone. Andrew Cop would be great in New York. Like he would be great in Boston because they always need depth. So there are two teams. Colorado, if you you know, if it's not Claude Drew and you want a less expensive option. You put him on, a, on on the bottom six, that's going to improve your team. So, yeah, I, I think you can get a nice return for both players. And Paul's a different story. He's 35 years old, but he's been productive. You look at his numbers, he can, he can still put the puck in the net. So, to me, yeah, you trade both players. You don't worry about getting to the AT because you're right. If they didn't have a tremendous run like that, they'd probably be cup favorites. But to me, you have to be realistic here. And I, I think if you can move these players, and I agree with you, not for futures, because remember, if you're going for a second and third for these contending teams, they're at the bottom of the of the draft order. So to me, yeah, I think you'd want like maybe an NHL ready defenseman. Maybe he's not playing in the league right now, plus a pick. Like, so a legit prospect or a youngster. I think you're right about that, about more established talent than just futures. Well, the funny thing about the jet blue line and, you know, it has been such a storyline around this club for the last few years after they were decimated with the, you know, true believing. And of course, Dustin Bufflin, the, the biggest departure. Right. But Dennis, you know, they added Brandon Dillon and they added yeah. Nate Schmidt. And right now the Winnipeg Jets have five defensemen, five veteran defensemen that all have term on their contracts, another year or two at least. Um, you've got Logan Stanley that has sort of been the number six guy. But they've also got Vili Hanela, Johnny Kovacevic, yeah. Dylan Sandberg that have all shown that they're pretty much ready for prime time. And one of the things we've been talking about is, you know, how does Shevel Dayoff make room for some of these younger defensemen? Who might be going, and is it mm -hmm. more likely to be an off-season trade with one of yeah. those top five veterans, or might it happen closer to the deadline? And that 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 is an intrigue. I mean, those aren't automatic deals to be made because, as we mentioned, sure. these guys aren't unrestricted free agents. But it also complicates the ability to maybe trade a guy like a Nate Schmidt, for instance, if you know that you know you're bringing him on board, but you're also getting an invoice for close to six mil for the next yeah. couple seasons. Yeah. Well, the clock's not ticking on those deals. And here's the other thing. Also, Half the teams are in LTIR. So if you would trade a player like that, it will almost have to be in the offseason, unless, again, you do that three-way deal where you get a team with a lot of cap space to buy in and get an asset for it. I think those moves with the players of term, I don't think you see a lot of guys with term move here at the deadline. I don't think you see Jacob Chicken short of somebody paying the price for Arizona. Is he going to move in the next 11 days? He could. Like, there are teams that want him. But – you know what? The market's bigger when you get to the offseason and half the teams on LTIR and they don't have to fit him in. And Bill Armstrong isn't in, isn't the you know predisposed to trading him right now. Although, you know, every GM that has somebody to trade is saying, oh, and it's on term. I'm not, you know, I really don't want to trade him. So you don't really believe that. So to me, I think when you make those moves for those veteran defense, and it's always a need for defense, right? Now, so somebody gets hurt, somebody underperforms. I think if Chevy's smart, he waits till the offseason when when everybody can operate with a little bit more cap room. And then if he wants to pull the trigger and move one of those defensemen, you can do that. I think just an easier transaction with a guy that doesn't want to have the heat on him to make this urgent trade at the deadline for one of these players return. You know, I, you just brought up Arizona. I have to I have to ask you, I mean, they're moving into a 5,000-seat building. Just looking at their roster, I mean, yeah. they have four forwards signed for next year. Yep. Um. I mean, what is Armstrong going to do? I mean, how do you see this? Is this going to continue just be to be a terrible team that's acquiring picks, maybe trying to get into the Connor Bedard sweepstakes and uh, and move on? Because, I mean, I don't know how you get players to go there. And, you know, if you trade a guy like Jacob Chikrin, 
who man mm-hmm. has three years left on that deal at 4.6 yeah. very very attractive teams i mean you wonder what the heck is going to be less and who the hell is going to sign there as a free agent even with the nice weather to be playing in a glorified junior hockey rink well it's great golf there come on man well, i you guess know? if that's what you're it's into a, but i mean they're nhl players right exactly <laughs> 90 minute flight to la it's, it's an hour to, to vegas but it's a salary cap. Everybody can't play where they want. There are teams that have to play in a certain place. And look, I get it. Arizona, look, not even Arizona. The league has dung their heels in in Arizona. Right? You know, if they won, if they were, if it was me, I'd call Tillman Fertitta in Houston and sell them the team and move them to Houston. Right? Because they're the first, fourth largest TV market. And now you have deals with TNT and ESPN. So for me, that's what I would do. You just got to bite the bullet. That That's sometimes what you, you know. People forget. Also, when Carolina, who now has 18,000 people in that arena every night, when they moved to Carolina, they played in Greensboro in front of 8,000 people with a tarped upper deck. Right? So, so it has happened before. It's a long time ago, and you and I are old enough to remember Carolina and Greensboro, but people don't have that long of a memory. So it has happened before. The optics aren't going to be the greatest. But again, this is a means towards an end. If you really want that team in Arizona with – a city that doesn't want him in Glendale and owner. The, the big thing is people always talk about Glendale. The Phoenix Suns owner like does not want the Coyotes in his building in downtown. That would be the easy solution. The ops could be better. He just hates that team for some reason, doesn't want him in his building. So now the other option is go to Tempe and play at Arizona State. It's a means towards an end, Hustler. I know it may not look good and people might make fun of the franchise, but you know, this is how you do a rebuild. Clayton Keller's a legitimate player. They found the goaltender, it looks like in the in, in the check kid this year. Uh, but, yeah, it's a long road to climb, but that's how you do a rebuild. Oh, yeah. Carl Vimelka, we know him well. Yeah. Uh, yes, we do. Him very well, man. He's been crazy lights out against the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Dennis, thanks so much for doing this. We'll look forward to seeing you in a few weeks here in the peg. But uh, fill people in on uh, what you and the uh, boys over at Fourth Period have coming up over a very busy couple weeks heading into the deadline. Yeah, so the fourthperiod.com, we have actually have a top 35 trade watch list right now. Me and Dave will be on radio throughout North America. We have our hot stove show that's on, let's see, Central Time. That will be 11 to 1 Central Time on Channel 91. And we'll be popping up on radio stations all over the, uh, I'll be on Fan 590 in Toronto this evening. So we, we're not hiding, uh, so you know where to find us. So the fourthperiod.com, I'm Dennis TFP, and Dave's Twitter handle is the fourth period. Yeah, great stuff. Thanks so much for doing this, Dennis. And we'll definitely catch up as we get closer to the 21st and look forward to seeing you here in the peg in a few weeks. It was a pleasure being on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks, Hustler. Thanks, bud. There it is, Dennis Bernstein at Dennis TFP. And make sure you check out the fourthperiod.com. All right, Weber is going to join us from New York. We'll get to the latest with the Winnipeg Jets heading into tonight's game against the Edmonton Oilers in just a second. Uh, a big cheers to our friends over at Manitoba Battery. Man, I've got a couple of great notes from uh, from listeners and appreciate everyone that supports our sponsors. But in particular, mentioning that uh, they went over to uh, see the guys uh, down on Logan Avenue and picked a couple ba- a couple batteries at a great price and uh, really enjoy working with the staff there at, uh, at Manitoba Battery. Of course, if you do need an automotive battery, nowhere else to go but shopping local and supporting local. About $100 for most makes and models with Core Exchange. And if you, uh, let's just say the car isn't available to get you down to Manitoba Battery, give them a call. They'll deliver it anywhere in the city for $115. Same day delivery if you order by 1.30 p.m. And if you're getting out onto the ice, managing to uh, keep the fishing season going a little bit more. They've got the flasher batteries. It'll keep you catching fish all winter long until the ice breaks. Manitoba Battery, they're at 1026 Logan Avenue. 
783-8787. And you can check them out online at manitobabattery.com. Um, Remo and I were talking about the uh, the reverse retro jerseys. And, uh, of course, Greg at Royal Sports has signed an NDA. I was working him for more information again tomorrow. Uh, not successfully. But when it comes to jerseys and merchandise, um, there's one stop for you, and you'll have it all. And that, of course, is Royal Sports down at 750 Pembina Highway. Thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise, including many exclusives. Bomber gear, exclusive Bomber Championship back-to-back hats available as well. Not to mention NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball merchandise getting ready for the season. It's all down there at Royal. And, of course, your number one hockey superstore, snowboards, fitness, and more. And don't forget to check out all the cool stuff over on the Kings Skate, Snow, and Surf side. 750 Pemina Highway. That's our friends at Royal Sports. And a big shout-out to the gang down at Not Auto Corp, who are definitely ready for summer. If you're thinking about a new vehicle, before you do anything, head on down to Not You'll find uh, an incredible selection of vehicles on the lot, and then experts at Knot will also help you find a particular make and model if there's something you've got your heart set on. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team? Visit them down at Waverly and McGilvery or get at them online at knot.ca. All right, Jets win last night, backstopped by Eric Comrie in New Jersey. Tonight, it's off to the new home of the New York Islanders to take on the Islanders in the second of back-to-back games. And Ken Weeb is hydrated and ready to go for tonight's second end of back-to-backs down in NYC. Weber, what's up? Huss, uh, great to be with you, my friend. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Fun game last night. Great to see Eric Comrie continue to have some success in the net. And, um, you know, hey, it's a, it's a, I don't know how the Jets' playoff percentage went down two points by winning last <laughs> night, but... Uh, bottom line is they got to win games. They got another opportunity to do it tonight. But uh, first off, let's talk about last night. Uh, Comrie and Connor, the stars of last night, not to mention a beautiful finish by Brendan Dillon, of all people, on the two-on-one. Now, you were in the building. How would you see it? Great to be in the building. And uh, first and foremost, uh, just had lunch with Stephen Wino, uh, our good friend back from the Olympics. Wino, and, uh, yes. Yes, he, he made a special trip uh, in uh he was just in Edmonton for uh, the Ovechkin game, and uh, he made his way back to New York today. So uh, he sends his love to uh, you and all of uh, his fellow uh, folks in friendly Manitoba. Uh, in terms of the game, yeah, I mean, Eric Comrie, uh, what a display, what a performance. Uh, obviously, he laughed about the whole prospect and premise of the revenge tour, which <laughs> was not really a revenge tour at all. But, uh, man, he was awesome, especially in that second period, Huss. I mean, he was absolutely dominant at a time where the Jets were constantly getting hemmed into their own zone. Uh, Jack Hughes was absolutely a magician uh, out on the ice for the Devils, uh, making things happen basically every time he stepped onto the ice. Uh, and then lo and behold, uh, we talked a lot about other teams like the Rangers being opportunistic against the Jets. Well, the Jets kind of flipped that narrative on its head yesterday uh, in that second period after they had, you know, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say they were dominated for long stretches. Uh, but man, oh man, Pierre-Luc Dubois wins a puck battle what may be called a penalty on some nights. But uh, Kyle Connor with the breakaway speed and boy, oh boy, uh, anytime. Speaking of magician and magistry, uh, wizardry and sorcery, uh, Kyle Connor's move was so impressive that the referee that was standing five feet beside where the backhand was taken from, uh, thought the puck somehow ended up in the stands, uh, even though Nico Dawes eventually turned around and fished the puck out of the net. 
Hey, let me ask you about that. Actually went on. You you were in the building for that. The one thing from the television, I'm not sure whether it was the mic. That was the loudest crossbar ping I've heard from a not from a shot that wasn't a massive slap shot. Um, right. like it was so loud, and I think that may have convinced people that you know maybe it went elsewhere. Like, where was your perspective for it, and when did you know that the puck was actually in the net? I mean, for me, Hassa, I'm like Kyle Connor and Dave Lowry. To me, I, I'm just looking around the rink too, saying. Why is there no, I mean, and you know why the goal horn's not going on. It's a visitor, visiting team scoring. But I don't know how the red light is not on. And I certainly don't know why there's no celebration happening because it was quite obvious. I mean, just incredible. We talked about Kyle Connor's hands in tight hus. His ability to uh, leave goaltenders guessing has been impressive. And that shot on the backhand is just absolutely phenomenal. To me, I, I didn't think there was any way it could go anywhere but in the net. But just the way that the scene went, you know, the door is open, the ice scrapers are coming on. Uh, there's nothing. There's nothing going on in the scoreboard. Everyone's kind of looking around, like, okay. And then they finally went to look at it, I think. And then they went to center ice. And then finally, there was a two up on the board for the Jets. But it was a it was a very strange scene. But it was also because the, the way the period had gone. I mean, there's 54 seconds left. The period it was almost running time. They were trying to catch up on their broadcasting timeouts. That's why, even though there was only 54 seconds left, they were rushing onto the ice. So that whole scene, how it unfolded, was very strange. But uh, there was no question that that was going to be a goal. It just was a little bit surprising that they they had to get some video evidence to support uh, what seemed like a pretty obvious premise in the building. Hey, Ken, by the way, I'm not sure if you can see the YouTube chat right now, but um, I can't. <laughs> we, uh, we, we, uh, we started some memberships for supporters of Winnipeg Sports Talk, and Remus has been creating new emojis or emotes okay. that people can use that are have it. And uh, let's just say that the entire chat is filled with the water bottle emoji, which we did as a tribute to you. So uh, yes, nicely done. Soon um, I will be getting the Kenny and Rennie bottle, but right, so far we're still uh, working on that. <laughs> those will be a hot seller that would be every christmas tree in the city next year is going to have a knr water bottle under it um eric Comrie, you know it was funny remus was going over some uh freezing cold takes on Comrie from uh some oh, people that submitted to them at the start i mean listen i wasn't convinced that he was going to come in and play as well as he had but i really did think that he deserved the opportunity to do it and um, you know, listen, I don't think there was a lot of faith in him. And you could argue that even the Jets have sort of been convinced recently because of how much they have played Connor Hellebuck to this point. But um, hard to be happier for a guy that is just, I mean, simply one of the easiest dudes to cheer for. And I'll tell you what, I mean, if you think he's five games above 500, if they could have a similar record with the number one guy, we're having a very different start. I mean, for all the people that were worried that the backup goalie was going to sink the Winnipeg Jets this year, he's proven them very wrong. I'd say uh, Eric Comrie has been a bit of a life preserver in a lot of ways, Huss. Uh, you're, you're exactly right with that. I mean, going into the year, we figured Hellebuck would be, you know, north of 60. But man, he was trending to be close to 70 at one point based on the scheduling and, and circumstances. So the fact that Eric Comrie has sort of stabilized... We know that back in December, I mean, I think he had one of those goals that was a little bit shaky against the Canucks. Yes, they still got a point. But outside of that, I mean, Hus, the evidence is overwhelming. Not one single game where he's allowed more than three goals. Three or fewer every single night. So that's what you ask for. You ask for your backup goaltender to give the team a chance to win. Eric Carmi has done that on basically every single night that he's played. I mean, 
are there goals you'd like to have back? Of course, every goalie has goals they'd like to have back. But uh, given the small sample size coming into the year, I don't think anyone could have predicted that Eric Comrie was going to handle things as well as he has. Uh, again, I, we always know that the debate, the debate is, well, play him more, play him more, play him more. I mean, he's earning more starts. There's no question about that. But let's not make no mistake, Connor Hellebuck is the number one goalie from this hockey club. But this also gave him a nice reprieve, Huss. I mean, I, I speculated in my story Wednesday morning that, that Connery might get the game last night. We knew he was getting one of them. I think the fact that Jets were able to get an extra day of rest for Connor Hellebuck at this stretch when it has been taxing for him, when he's given up four or more in five consecutive hmm. games, that was a smart call. I think he'll be sharp and ready to go tonight. And again, I expect him to play Sunday in St. Louis as well. I mean, I would I would think that it would have to be an awfully tough performance in order for that not to be the case. But Eric Comrie, and Eric Comrie even said it himself after the game yesterday when he was asked about the backup mentality. I mean, he said when you're working with one of the best guys in the world that is position, you know what your role is. And I think that's the other part about Comrie. Us previously with the Jets, he was always kind of battling for that spot. You know, even when Lauren Bressois was brought in, it was kind of an open competition, but yeah, well, you know, Bressois had the one-way deal, so he kind of had the leg up and then earned it. But this is the first time he went into the season with a legitimate chance to be the number two guy. He has taken full advantage of that opportunity, and he's pushing into a situation where Huss, not only is he, would the Jets be comfortable playing him, you know, 15 times or so, they're probably getting closer to the situation knowing that they'd be comfortable playing him 20 to 22 times to have Hellebuck more at that comfortable number of 60, which is, you know, in a, in a job share, uh, I still think that that's a, a reasonable number. I mean, some people will say 55, but you could put him in that range where you'd be very comfortable that Eric Conrad can do the job properly. Hey, you know, on the decision, and we talked about it extensively yesterday, but I mean, I was very supportive of the decision to go with Conry last night and give Hellebuck the extra day of rest. I'm trying to think, Ken, and you know this probably better than me, in almost every instance I can remember under Paul Maurice, he was always playing Hellebuck in the first game and then throwing the backup in the second game. And that has traditionally been where you put the backup in and it's not a great spot. And it's a tough spot often for you know those guys to come in. Um, but I thought it made a lot of sense to give Hellebuck that extra day of rest. The bottom line is you knew you needed to win both of these games. I mean, you couldn't afford to have a letdown in the next one. So you know, have confidence in Comrie, get the win to start things off. And now you know, you're going back with your number one guy with an extra day of rest, ready to uh, hopefully pack another two points and head to St. Louis. Yeah, I like it in a lot of fronts, especially to the Islanders are playing back-to-back as well. So maybe you're trying to get a little bit of a leg up in that second game, I guess, maybe, Huss. Uh, the other part, too, it's a special night for Eric Comrie. Uh, yeah, of course, I mean, he only spent a month there. But, I mean, for a guy that had the magical mystery tour, as we like to call it, it, you know, he already had a game, a game and a win over Arizona, and now he had a chance to you know to beat another one of his former teams. Uh, you know, again, just Comrie handling everything and like bringing up being able to talk to his you know former goalie coach and being able to talk to Winnipeg or Travis Zajac before the game last night. And again, awesome job by the Devils. That whole, I mean, sometimes it can be a little bit ridiculous that whole one final shift kind of concept. But for a guy who gave so much to that organization. And who was kind of robbed, like much like Paul Stastny, when your thousandth game is played in front of zero fans, and you're, you know, most of your family can't be there, you know, it kind of sucks for a lot in a lot of ways, especially for a guy who gave that much to the organization. Uh, Mike McIntyre and I both spoke with Travis before the game. Uh, he was absolutely fired up. I don't even think at the time Mike and I knew that he was was going on in full gear. We thought he was just going out for the ceremonial puck drop uh, to see and to hear 
how excited people were in the Prudential Center. And then the other part, too, I'm not sure if they showed the signs on the, the TV broadcast or not, us, but um, Travis coaches, uh, I believe, his son's team, and there were tons of those players. There were tons of coach, Zajac signs. You had all, all these people were just whole, like they were just so fired up to be on the scoreboard camera and to be rooting for Travis. I mean, that was a, a pretty cool sidebar kind of moment, but the fact that Eric had that appreciation, he sort of, and he shared that great story with Jack Hughes, how Hughes kind of came over and he said, man, you're stopping all my tough shots. And now Comrie has the confidence, even though he's such a humble person, now he has the confidence to tell a guy like Jack Hughes, Hey man, you already got one and one is enough. Like, I love that because, you know, we always see the friendly and gregarious Comrie, but I mean, you have to have that kind of confidence in yourself if you're going to be making the saves of that magnitude against uh, one of the young stars in the NHL. So uh, I, I thought he was very calm, cool and collected, uh, especially during that second period. And then Hassan the third, the Jets kind of turned the tables and said they gave themselves a bit of a wake up, if you will, and said, that second period was not good enough. And then they kind of took it to the devils in the third, I thought, in a lot of ways. Uh, rather than playing tentatively after taking the lead, they really kind of put the pedal down and, and kind of drove that victory home in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, the wake-up moment, I think, was the Kyle Connor goal at the end of the second period. And, you know, the Jets had been victimized, like the Dallas game, giving up some late ones. It was nice to see them turn the tables. Uh, let's look at this game tonight. And, you know, it was funny. We were talking to Frank Cervelli earlier this week, and, you know, we were focusing on the Jets and the you know the disappointment of where they are right now compared to where the expectations were. And he said, well, I mean, the Jets are that team in the West, and there's no doubt who that team in the East is. It's the New York Islanders. And you know they dealt with a terrible COVID outbreak, and it really hurt them because they were playing all those games without big, big chunks of their roster. And they started off with, what, 13 or 14 straight on the road? Um, what do you make of Barry Twats' squad and where they are right now, considering how dominant they've been the last couple seasons and been so close to representing the East in the Stanley Cup final in back-to-back -back season? Yeah, so, you know, we, uh, Sean and I, we like to talk about checking the receipts, and uh, my unclaimed receipt for this season is going to be my pick to have the New York Islanders represent the East in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, that one's not working out quite so well for me on the cool bet lines, Huss. Uh, as you, you win know, some, so. you lose some. <laughs> yeah, we'll take the overall record uh, as fairly steady. But yeah, it's been a bizarre year for the uh, for the Islanders. Obviously, Anders Lee, I think, had the hat trick last night, um, and he's a guy that that they missed last year in Game Seven. You know, missing him, they missed him in the playoffs and um, that power forward kind of game. Matt Barzell has kind of had a strange year in some regards. Uh, we know that you know Brock Nelson was such a great playoff performer for them. And I think their back end has been banged up a little bit as well. So stranger for the Islanders. But what we do know and what we saw in November when Comrie played very well in that 2 nothing loss uh, is that it's probably going to be a little bit more low event hockey, even though they did put up six, I think, last night against the Columbus Blue Jackets. But they play more of a tidy, tight checking game. And Hustle, we've talked about this. Remember, they really limited the Jets' offensive opportunities in that game. Uh, that was one of their poorest showings in terms of what they were able to generate. And Comrie, in a lot of ways, kind of held the Jets into that game. Um, I think when Connor Hellbuck was dealing with, I think he was the non-COVID sickness time uh, after the baby was born. So that game, that game you bring up, Ken. I mean, you know, I, I remember vividly being in the building for that one, and it was just an absolutely frustrating night for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, they literally played the entire game. It seemed within about four feet of the boards. <laughs> they could just simply not get off the perimeter. And I mean, I'd imagine that'll be a challenge for them tonight as well to you know, sort of establish the way, you know, with their speed, 
making plays, especially in transition and trying to get in because the the one thing the Islanders have you know had traditionally is one of the best structures in the game, and um, that's sort of a hallmark of Barry Trotz coach teams. Yeah, no doubt about that, and and we, we know that it's special for Barry also. I mean, he may downplay it at times, but you know, proud Manitoba, he he gets up for the games against his home province team for sure. There's no doubt about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're a team that's very good in terms of structure. And, uh, Ryan Pollock, we know the former Brandon Weekings captain, is a guy who loves playing against the Jets. Uh, you know, I think he's still having a pretty good year overall. But uh, it's just been a strange year for them. Uh, I think they're kind of playing. There have been times they've been playing a little bit better, and a lot of people kind of wondering about maybe some moves around the Islanders, things of that nature. But uh, I mean, we know they're not good, they're not going to quit, and they're not going to give up. So they will be a tough opponent for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, there's no doubt about that, you know, back end to back to backs for both teams, but no travel essentially for either team. So I think it'll be a, a higher energy game, even though it may be a little bit more uh, low event. But you touched on Brendan Dillon, Huss. I mean, Dillon's a guy that I wrote about for sportsnet.ca today. And not only was that goal impressed, it was one of those goals where the, the defenseman joins. It, Brendan almost shot the puck through the net, right? Like that was one of those where, and also too, like, the, the, the pass that Mark Shifley makes, the timing of that pass to get the defenseman to commit and then sizzle it over to Dylan for the, uh, you know, such, it's not a tap-in because of the nature of the shot that was taken, but uh, just an exceptional play by Shifley, great finish. But Brendan Dillon's game, I thought yesterday, was fantastic. I think it was one of his uh, most impactful games uh, as a member of the Winnipeg Jets. He was very physical, blocking shots, uh, using his feet to defend, using his stick. I uh, liked his zone exits, very aggressive. Kind of pulled some of his teammates into the fight at a time where they were kind of reeling a little bit and i thought that that was a really imp- important game for brendan dillon uh, on the back end because we, we know how great dillon Josh has some of the been. most dis- yeah well, I, listen I, I i'm amazed at times and look over the past three weeks i mean the sneaky speed of brendan dillon like jumping up into the play and that's something yeah. i think the jets and dave lauer would love to see more from their defensemen he activated and going in. I mean, he had that near breakaway the other day. He's been in on a few two on ones, um, and you know, and he can keep up with those with those burners up when yeah, when he does get into the play. And I wasn't sure that he had that club in the bag, to be honest, Ken. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, because he's such a big guy, and everyone thinks about him as a physical guy. Uh, th- there was a reason why you play him with a, a John Carlson and a Brent Burns at times. Uh, and even Eric Carlson with with the San Jose Sharks. I mean, because he can skate. I mean, he he needs to be able to skate to defend. Uh, he really worked on that element of his game. Again, I was fortunate enough to be covering Game Six of the Western Conference Final in 2016 when the San Jose Sharks advanced to their first Stanley Cup Final. I was talking about that with Brendan yesterday morning. Uh, on that team, he was more of a five-six guy, but now he's kind of carved himself into more of a top-four role. Uh, he plays a simple game, but he does a lot of things that are kind of under the radar. He's a great, as Dave Lowry said when I asked about him yesterday, he's a great complimentary piece on the back end, but he also does a bunch of things that not a lot of other guys on the Jets defense core do well, which again is what I wrote today. Although we know there's interest from lots of teams, especially because he has two more years left of term. If I'm Kevin Sheveldayoff, I know I have to make a move to kind of break up the logjam. I'm not moving Brendan Dillon if I'm Kevin Sheveldayoff because A, he makes the Jets tougher to play against, and B, he's played on winning teams. And if you're a team that wants to get back to winning, you want more guys like Brendan Dillon around the team, not fewer. No, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, I think he's a, you know a perfect guy to have in you know when as you transition to some more younger players. 
have a guy with that sort of experience and then bringing the package that Brendan Dillon does to the Winnipeg Jet blue line. And that'll be an interesting conversation around the blue line, especially in and around the trade deadline, but probably more likely as we, you know, get into the off season. What would you say right now, the chances are that one of those five has moved at the deadline? Like how low is that number? Man, I, I did I'm not a great gambler, Huss, as you know. Um, I don't have a great answer. But, but you would think it's low, I right? Say, I mean, like, is, I think eventually it has to happen, but I I, yeah. I, don't know. I think it's way more likely to happen in the offseason. Uh, although, I mean, maybe there's an option for, you know, one of those guys, and it's an offer that Kevin Shevelyoff can't say no to because he really does have to do something with that group at one point. I mean, if not... Um, you know, you're going to have waivers exempt guys without places right. to play as you get into next season. And and certainly, I mean, both with Billy Hanel and Dylan Sandberg, at some point, um, you know, whether it's here or elsewhere, they're going to get a chance to play in the National Hockey League. And your description of a logjam right now on that blue line, I think, is very well put. Again, I'm going to say it's less than 50 Hus, but I think it would be higher than, you know, I think it's maybe in that 35 range. I don't, I wouldn't okay. go down to 25 or fewer. I know that, again, like I said, I'm not. It's 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 far from a lead pipe lock, but I do think there is a chance. Just also to what we know, has, history has shown us that at the deadline, teams are looking to bolster their defense core. Right? If you think you can win the Stanley Cup, especially, I mean, again, both conferences, of course, but it's so tight in the Eastern Conference, and that cream of the crop is so like that they're at a really high level. So all those teams will be looking to augment their back end but not a lot of teams can add guys with term or fairly hefty salaries. So up front, we know it's a little bit easier because with guys like Andrew Kopp and Paul Stasty on expiring deals, you know, if the Jets would have 50% retention, a lot of those contenders can afford to take half of those contracts because they'd be less than $2 million. When it comes to the defense, it's a little bit more complicated because all of DeMello said Dylan won't be moved, but Dylan is one of the guys, Schmidt, and then Pionk obviously has the most term of all the defensemen uh, outside of Josh Morrissey, we know is not going anywhere either. Uh, it's tough to find room for all of those guys. I mean, I think there, there's there'd be lots of interest in Dylan DeMello as well, right? Huss, I mean, like he's a guy that is a stabilizing oh, kind of Oh, for sure. Force. I mean, he plays in the Jets' top pairing. He's going to a, another contender. He's probably playing uh, on a second or third pairing role, but he complements Josh Morrissey so well also. But again, which those teams can afford. I mean, again, the Jets aren't going to retain on Dylan DeMello because they don't want to be paying him a million and a half to not play for them for the next two years. That doesn't make sense for them either. So uh, it's very complicated and complicated. Well, here, let me, let me hit you with this. Things. Let me hit you yeah. with this. Um, assuming that they do identify that they do need to move at least one of those, ta- of those five defensemen who, as you pointed out, have contracts, have term what are the chances of a trade that is not for picks but essentially you're trading a defenseman to another team and taking back a forward that potentially has a contract and with term yeah i mean it's a great question and and to me house we're always trying to connect the dots i mean the toronto maple leafs are in a strange situation obviously with their goaltending now with campbell being hurt but there's been a lot of talk about the back end you know jake muzzins had the concussion issues justin hall's having a tough year I mean, can, would the Leafs be able to even afford Dylan DeMello? I mean, we know that their cap situation is in flux, but if Muzzin has to go on LTI or whatever, I mean, is there a way that Dylan DeMello makes sense? And I only say this too, because we know that Lawrence Gilman was in town watching somebody, right? I mean, 
when the, 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 the cross-checking was happening from the Toronto Maple Leafs, was that for a Dylan DeMello or was it for somebody else or were they watching the opponent? We never know. Uh, to me, the Leafs would know Dylan DeMello very well from his time in Ottawa. Um, and they probably there's a lot of things to like about him. Uh, is he an upgrade over Justin Hall? In a lot of ways, he does a lot of you know quiet things well, like he loved a lot of efficiency in terms of his puck movement. But um, that would that that makes sense to me in, in a lot of ways. But um, you know, again, would the Jets be able to get a guy like Nick Robertson instead of a guy like Hall? I, that I don't know. I, I don't think the Leafs want to move Nick Robertson. Robertson would make sense on a lot of levels for the Jets, but. Uh, I don't think that uh, you know. Again, I'm not. I'm just speculating here. Like, just kind of thinking of teams off the top of your head that would make sense. Um, there'd be other teams in the West that would be interested in Dylan Demello as well. And again, I'm not saying the Jets should trade Dylan Demello, but as, as we've talked about, out of those defensemen, uh, not named Logan Stanley, Demello carries the lowest cap hit. So the guy with the lowest AAV is often easiest to move because it's easier to fit in for those other contenders. So, um, like I said, well, that's we're not trying thinking to that, you know rumors, what I mean? But... No, no, I mean, you're just, you know, you're looking, you're reading the room basically with the situation that's going on with the Winnipeg Jets. And I mean, I think with where he's playing in the lineup right now, um, listen, I, I, I've got a lot of time for Nate Schmidt. I mean, I've enjoyed having him on the club and we think he brings a lot to the team that they do need. But when you're looking at the term and the cap number, I mean, I think that if they had to choose one of those guys to maybe move off of, Schmidt might be at the top of the list. But again, it's harder to trade with that number. And that's why I suggest that, you know, maybe they're making a deal where they're opening up that spot on the blue line for one of the younger players. And, you know, they're bringing in a player who's essentially similar to Nate Schmidt, but in the forward group that's maybe making five million or five and a half or six million that adds to your forward group and then opens up an opportunity for some of these younger defensemen to come in and play at a much lower cap hit. And you're sort of shifting some of your investment from the blue line to the forward group. If you have confidence that these young guys can play. Yeah, it's super interesting, Huss. And again, it's all situational, right? I mean, this is what we talked about. The exact same thing with Dylan DeMello last year. So when DeMello spent most of the year as the kind of shepherd with Logan Stanley coming in as a rookie, Three million on the third pairing sometimes is seen as a lot of money, but three million on the top pairing with Josh Morrissey is not a lot of money either. I think the same thing is applicable to Nate Schmidt. I mean, he spent the first half of the year with Josh Morrissey on the top pairing, and it was fine. That pairing was probably the, it, not probably it was the Jets' best pairing for the majority of the time, so that made sense. But then when Schmidt is now on the third pairing, it's like the 2018 year where the Jets had the luxury of having Kulikov and Myers on their third pairing because they had so many cap-efficient contracts up front with the entry-level guys like Kyle Connor and Patrick Laine contributing. So, uh, you know, is there a team that could use a, a defenseman like Nate Schmidt? Of course. I mean, Nate, Nate's a valuable kind of commodity uh, as well. I mean, does the money make sense when there are entry-level guys that the Jets are going to have to in integrate? That remains to be seen, but... Again, too, I think I mentioned it a little with you last week, Huston. I think, too, this was another week where uh, the guys around the East and Jeff Merrick and Elliot were talking about the Buffalo Sabres and who the, who's the partner with Owen Power going to be. Uh, Mike Harrington from the Buffalo News was on with Jeff this week saying he doesn't think that the Sabres have that partner in their organization right now. Could Nate Schmidt kind of be that guy on a team that has cap space? Maybe. But I would also counter, too, Huss, by saying when you're looking to integrate Billy Hainala as the Jets, I think that Nate Schmidt would be a great partner for Billy Hainala because of his defending ability and aggressive nature and the, you know, the wants to join the rush on that second wave. 
uh, because I think that Nate Schmidt is and still can be an effective player at the National Hockey League level on a contending team. So, but again, a lot of this will come down to dollars and cents. Uh, what's the market going to look like in these next couple of weeks? What we know right now, Huss, the asking price for everybody is through the roof, which is why we haven't seen a lot of activity leading up to March 25th or 21st. It's 10 days now. So what we know from history also is that there is going to be another preemptive strike around the bend, and it won't be very far around the bend. Uh, what we know uh, from the good folks on social media, the Jets have been watching the Boston Bruins closely. Um, so to me, there, there are some fits with Boston. Obviously, Andrew Kopp would be a fit there. Uh, who are the Jets watching? I mean, Jake DeBrusque is Huss. You and I have talked about him. Jake has sort of got his season back on track, filling in with guys who have been hurt. Now I think he's up to 15 goals or more. Maybe they're a little bit more reluctant to move a Jake DeBrusque. But I think to me, Jake DeBrusque is a guy who makes a lot of sense for the Jets. But now I don't know that he's as available as he was uh, maybe a couple months ago when the trade demand was made. So, or request, I should say, not demand. Ken Weaves with us. Make sure to check out Kenny and Rennie after tonight's game. I guess you'll be doing it from the rink. Have you been down to that rink yet? Uh, I mean, I know you rode from lunch. Did you get down there this morning or uh, it'll be your first visit, your debut appearance yeah, at indeed. Belmont Park this evening? Yeah, rink number uh, 31 again for me, Huss, getting into uh, to the good uh, UBS there. Uh, I'm excited for it. I mean, neither team had a morning skate, so we did not get down there, but uh, we've got the uh, Long Island uh, Railroad Line uh, Express uh, ready to roll here. We've been uh, enjoying the public transit in this fine city, as you know. Uh, just one, 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 one wrong turn to Albuquerque yesterday. We had the uh, wrong direction on the way back from the morning skate. Uh, went two stops to the wrong way at Elizabeth, but uh, got ourselves spun back around quickly. Uh, didn't uh, well, the detour wasn't as long as it could have been, I guess. But uh, no, I, I think it's going to be a fantastic rink. I mean. I personally loved watching uh, the Islanders games at Nassau Coliseum. Obviously, it was time for a new barn, but I love the history uh, that it was steeped in that building. I love the, you know, I love the banners, the the pageantry, all of those sorts of things. As as uh, as someone born in 1975, I loved watching those Islanders teams growing up. Uh, they had tons of personality. The rink was outstanding, and uh, it sounds like this is quite state of the art. Uh, can't wait to get to it, and then that will just leave uh, the Seattle building. Uh, for me to complete the climate pledge to complete the uh, cycle once again uh, of the National Hockey League arenas, which again, you love to be out on the road and seeing your friends and seeing games. And it's just great to be in the building and uh, the atmosphere has been fantastic in a lot of these buildings. And Are you, you're, going, you're going to St. Louis too? You're going to St. Yeah, Louis yeah, too on know, Sunday? Yes. yes. Uh, Huss, actually too, uh, if I wasn't doing the hit right now, the, the Big East tournament is on at the Garden right now as well. Uh, a little bit of hoops. So the, the buzz around uh, where we're staying here in Manhattan has been pretty awesome. Uh, yesterday on the walk to uh, Penn Station, the, the, the good fans of Marquette were uh, gathering and getting fired up. I think they were playing Butler. Uh, so, yeah, it's a fun time of year. I mean, madness around the corner. Uh, great to be out on the road here. And, yeah, it's just a fun time of year on a lot of levels. And, as Huss, you know, I'm quite thrilled that the MLB uh, finally had their oh. own wake up moment. I know that we've been we've had a little <laughs> bit of a ban on on their uh, discussion. They're back. But, the ban's yeah. lifted. Play yeah, the, ball. Ban, the ban has been lifted. We're back, baby. Um, the only disappointing part about this trip that's been fantastic, as you know, 15 days in Arizona, no spring training games, which was a disappointment. But uh, glad to see that they've got things together and. Uh, fired up for a fun baseball season and also to touch uh, Huss, you touched on the show and I know we talked about this privately but 
man, Sheldon Kennedy was just uh, absolutely exceptional yesterday uh, on the long form edition of the Kenny and Ronnie show. And uh, if the folks in the chat room haven't checked it out yet, uh, please do so. I think you'll really enjoy the conversation. Sheldon was uh, so raw and emotional and um, man, the guy saves lives daily. And for him to invest that hour with us was just uh, super appreciative. And uh, we, we're glad that we were able to share it with some folks and hope that people continue to check it out as we no. move along. It was a really, uh, it was a phenomenal episode. I mean, it was gripping. Uh, it was intense at times. And if you haven't seen it, definitely go at some point on the weekend and uh, get that over on the Kenny and Rennie YouTube channel. And of course, you guys will be getting after it tonight. The Weebs World Magical Mystery Tour continues <laughs> from the desert to NYC to St. Louis. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you back here. Are you going to come back to Winnipeg at any particular time? Is that like, will you be, will be gracing us with your presence next week back here in the homeland? Yeah. Fired up us. And uh, this would be one of those situations that if we, if we still had the studio, I would be coming down on Friday to uh, sit beside you for my hit, but uh, we'll continue to do them virtually for the time being at least. But yeah, looking forward to being home. I know that the uh, weather hasn't been great and, but uh, hopefully we get that uh, turned around too as March uh, continues to roll on. Right on, Weaver. Thanks so much. Uh, travel safely. Enjoy the game tonight. And we'll look forward to uh, you and Ren getting after it tonight and, of course, after Sunday night's game as well. Yeah, great to be with you as always, Huss. Uh, have a fantastic weekend and a great visit with Hacksaw here. Right on, Weaver. Thanks so much. There he is, Kenny Weave. Tonight, 6.30 start. Jets and Islanders. And uh, Kenny and Rennie will get going just after the game. Of course, a legal curve as well, right after the final buzzer. All right, Hacksaw is coming up next. Do you need to do a quick Princess Auto curling report for you? Uh, because the Briar is into the playoffs right now. And, I mean, a really, really unfortunate end to the week for the team, Mike McEwen. Um, they had a game last night against Quebec where a win and you were in. Um, they were a big favorite in that game and lost 9-6, to six, which set up an all-Manitoba tiebreaker match today against Jason Gunlickson, and uh, it just was not Team Mike McEwen's day, but a big, big win for Gunner, uh, and he is now on the ice going up against Bra uh, Brendan Botcher in the 2-3 game, um, and uh, Matty Dunstone lost to uh, the, uh, the Saskatchewan group, the Saskatchewan team, um, so they're in. Kevin Cooey, Brad Gushu play tonight in the 1-1 game. And of course, the uh, action at the Briar goes throughout the weekend in Lethbridge and, and on TSN. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of Team Mike McEwen and curling in the country and the place where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Check them out at one of two local locations or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Uh, big shout out to our friends at Little Brown Jug. The weekend is here and a uh, couple 1919s sure make the weekend even a little bit better. You can pop down to the brewery and tap room on William Avenue. Try a few pints if you'd like, meet some friends and pick up all the great taste of Little Brown Jug. But you can also get it at your local beer store, Manitoba Liquor Marts, or delivery at littlebrownjug.ca Fridays, Saturdays, and Wednesdays. So uh, get your order in if you want them delivering to you tomorrow. And uh, our friends at Boston Pizza are ready for the weekend. Moose game tomorrow night. Actually, we'll throw in some moose tickets for the um, uh, for the moose game coming up in the marble race at the end of the program. Uh, before or after every event down at uh, Bell, excuse me, Canada Life Center. 
Boston Pizza City Place is the place to be. And if you're not heading to the game, join your friends at your local Boston Pizza, or you can always get the great taste of BP, including those awesome game day deals by ordering online at bostonpizza.com. All right, Marble Race coming up a little later on. But right now, let's hook up with Hacksaw. Big Friday and lots to talk about right now. Huge week in the National Football League and uh, some good news for baseball fans. Hacksaw joins us now. You know the website is leehacksawhamilton.com. And uh, Lee, wow, what a wild week in the National Football League. Uh, you you said that this quarterback carousel was going to start spinning and uh, whew, people's heads were spinning with the uh, movement in the league this week. Yeah, yeah. One, there. two, three. There we go. We're back. We're back. A wild week. Russell Wilson's a Denver Bronco. Carson Wentz is a commander now. Um, a wild week and big, big moves at the quarterback position, Hacksaw. Yeah, some 48 hours we had. I mean, it was almost instant. The first domino fell when Aaron Rodgers, you know, agreed to what appears to be a four-year, $200 million contract, although I think he only plays two to three years of the deal. The rest of it's for cap purposes. You know, and that was followed immediately by the blockbuster Seahawk Denver Bronco trade. And, you know, a week ago today when, we, excuse me, we chatted football, Pete Carroll had just said at the combine, Russell Wilson's not being traded. Well, then Denver called them and made them an overwhelming offer. It's probably in the history of the NFL hustler. It's probably the second biggest trade in modern day NFL football. If you go back to Jimmy Johnson, Dallas Cowboys, Minnesota Vikings, the 13 for one deal for Herschel Walker in terms of volume, well, this one is doggone close to it uh, because it's involved, obviously, all those high first-round picks, second-round picks, plus three potential starters going to Seattle the other way. Uh, I'm kind of surprised it ended up this way because I think Wilson and Carroll had kind of patched things. But I think history will write. John Schneider and Pete Carroll let Russell Wilson down. They let the organization fall down. Legion of Doom franchise was a long time ago. And they have not done very well in terms of player acquisition since that point in time, especially in the offensive front and the defensive front. Seattle's not a competitive team. And, and now with this decision to trade Russell Wilson, followed almost immediately by the release of their legendary linebacker, Bobby Wagner, uh, in the Pacific Northwest, long rebuild is officially underway. It's going to take them a ways uh, to get back. Now they got a lot of draft capital and they got a lot of salary cap space. But the question is, how do they use all that to fix what probably won't be a very competitive football team next season? Uh, DK Metcalf has kept his mouth shut so far, but you know he's pretty volatile. <laughs> so I got to believe there's somebody in Seattle's going to start talking about what's left around us. Uh, Wilson goes to Denver. You know they they've got good skill people. They've not had a good quarterback in a long time. You know they've gone through ten different starting quarterbacks since Peyton Manning retired. So Russell Wilson arrives there and walks in the door and will give them instant credibility at quarterback. And the fact he moves the pocket helps because they're trying to build an offensive line. Their defense was pretty interesting. At the end of the season, I'll say one thing about Vic Fangio, even though I got fired. Uh, Andrew, one, at one point of the season, their defense was really elite. And they got a lot of young guys there. And they, if they could get Brad Chubb healthy, then suddenly they'd be a complete football team. So this makes Denver a playoff contender. And all you need to do is look out your window at the AFC West because now you got Russell Wilson in Denver and you got Mahomes with your Kansas City Chiefs. You got Justin Herbert with the Chargers and Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels are linking up in Las Vegas. 
don't think I'd want to be a defensive coordinator in the AFC West going forward. It's going to be pretty, pretty good. So you got, you know, the Rodgers thing started, then Russell Wilson, and then the Colts trade to Washington was, was weird. Uh, Indianapolis paid a one and a three to get Carson Wentz from Philadelphia. And then they turned around and they gave Wentz to Washington for a third and a third. One of them might be upgraded to a second and a third, but they traded a lot to get Wentz. And Wentz had 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions, but fell apart at the end of the season. Something real deep there. I think there's a rift between Wentz's attitude about being a professional player and Frank Reich's demands as a head coach. And this kind of spins back to the way it ended badly for Wentz in Philadelphia, that he wasn't dedicated, that he wasn't the kind of leader that they needed, that he was too self-centered. Maybe all that resurfaced in Indy, because why would you trade all those picks to get the guy for one year with the guy and then jettison the guy? Washington, it solves a problem. They've not been, not been competitive at quarterback for a long period of time, but Ron Rivera's got his, his hands full there because they organizationally have not done a good job putting players on that roster. Good defense, but virtually nothing to shout about offensively. And now Wentz goes in there and he'll play. Whether he succeeds remains to be seen. So, yeah, first domino fell, and boy, all the others, boom, boom, boom. Lee, uh, I, I'm... The Colts' decision is fascinating. Obviously, they figured this isn't our guy, and we're making a decision. We're cutting our losses, and we're moving on. Um, Sam Erlinger and another backup are their only quarterbacks. I mean, what's next for Indy? Because they've got a pretty solid roster. I mean, that team is built to compete right now, but you got to have a quarterback. Well, this all started when Andrew Luck walked away from the NFL because of the significance of all the multiple injuries that he had. And then they had to play Jacoby Brissett, and he was adequate at best. They rented Philip Rivers for one year, the ex-charger. And the minute Philip left here in San Diego, because he lived close to me here, the minute he left and went to Indianapolis, they thought, oh, this is a perfect fit because they got a rock-tough offensive line and they got young running backs and, you know, they got some wide receivers and they got Darius Leonard and a bunch of guys who really play with the hair on fire in defense. And I thought, oh, Rivers to Indy makes a lot of sense. And then Philip retired after just one year. And I think that was a real setback. So whatever they do going forward, it'll be the fifth different starting quarterback in five years, which is that's tough for an organization. Now, where do they go? That's I, that's the bigger question. I don't think they're a player in the Deshaun Watson bid whenever Watson is cleared to be traded out of Houston. Do you want Jameis Winston? I mean, he's a walk-free agent. He's got tremendous physical skills, but understand he had only one good year with Sean Payton because his career went down in flames in Tampa because of the turnovers. Maybe Frank Reich says, I can fix this guy like Sean Payton fixed the guy. Maybe they take a flyer. Uh, Winston's coming off significant knee surgery, but this is not, Andrew, this is not a quarterback-driven draft. There's only one surefire first-round pick in the draft, a quarterback, Kenny Pickett, out of Pitt. Maybe the kid from Liberty Malik Wills might be the other first-round pick, but this is not a great year for quarterbacks in the draft. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see how Indianapolis, which made this first decision, is going to have to make another decision to get some kind of guy, right guy, probably not a superstar guy, in to be their starting quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo is in play, but, you know, he just had the surgery yesterday in San Francisco down here, and it's probably three to four months. So you won't you won't see him actually on the field from a workout standpoint well, maybe till training camp opens. So Garoppolo's in play, Winston's in play. And after that, you got any, any eligibility left? Got anybody in Winnipeg you want to send this way? 
<laughs> well, no, we luckily we uh, re up Zach Caleros. He's under he's under contract to the Grey Cup champ, so he'll be sticking uh, sticking around here. Um, Lee, this is going to be something. I mean, I think on a weekly basis we'll be able to have interesting conversations about the wild NFL off season. But I'm very happy that yesterday we were able to lift the ban of Major League Baseball on this program. We promised that we would not talk about it for a second during this lockout. Um, they finally figured it out, avoided disaster, got it done. Um, what did you make of the fact that they got the deal done? And most importantly, I think we're still trying to figure out how this is going to affect the actual game because there were some significant changes to baseball that were on the table throughout these negotiations. When you were a kid growing up, you ever get in a rock fight? That's pretty dangerous stuff. We do snowballs well, here. This, yeah, ice balls. This was a rock fight. I mean, this is dangerous. This has damaged the game a great deal. And this is a Major League Baseball that has had tumbling attendance and tumbling TV ratings and tumbling problems with pace of play for the last five to seven years. And now you lock the fans out and you shut the game down and you cancel the winter baseball meetings and you block free agent signings and you put a roadblock up front of the driveway about baseball trades. I mean, the offseason is... the the hot stove league is really big time here in the States for baseball fans. So I think they really damaged themselves in this rock fight. When we got to the bottom line, the union won a lot of concessions. They made a lot of money <laughs> for their players. Uh, and I guess that's what Tony Clark is supposed to do. And I know Tony. He's from San Diego. We're on based. Uh, I just don't like the attitude because it, it comes away looking like the word greed. Every time he opens his mouth, there's a dollar sign attached to it. And in terms of Manford and the owners, well, the, everybody that I know has got a problem with the collection of owners who always want the money in their pocket. Players have a right to have representation. So uh, the rule changes going forward that they're going to kick in next year will be fascinating. Uh, you know, we're, they just opened the door to free agency last night. So we've got some marquee free agents who are going to sign. We got baseball trades because the reports everywhere are that the Oakland A's and the Cincinnati Reds are going to trade their veteran pitchers. So we got, I bet in the next 10 days, we're going to see an avalanche of a lot of player transactions. But I guess the, the burning question I have is, have they damaged the game so much that the fans are just so peeved that they're going to walk away? The, the three wild cards in the playoffs will be fun because it'll generate interest in probably half the markets in the country. Uh, you know, they, the big storyline is they, they ramped up the luxury tax threshold. Uh, I mean, it was 210 million last year. Every club effective this week can spend as much as 230 million on payroll without having to pay any penalties. Now, the question is, how many of these clubs are going to force their way up? The one thing that didn't get done, and I have a huge problem with Tony Clark, uh, is is the Florida spending. The Florida spending works. It doesn't have to be linked to a salary cap, but Florida spending in the NFL. You got to spend 90% of your cap in the National Football League. NBA, everybody spends to the cap. And in hockey, you've got the cap to or the, the luxury threshold, and virtually everybody is up there. And there is a percentage, it might be 85% in the NHL. What it means is there's more money. There's more money for every franchise. Uh, I think they need to have the Florida spending because that'll make money available in Pittsburgh and Baltimore and Kansas City and Tampa Bay. Because they're getting revenue sharing, got to put it back into the roster. There'll be more money for guys to go to those teams and get their paydays and play a lot. It just won't be about the Yankees and the Red Sox and, and the Dodgers. That's a complex answer. But 
Uh, I, I we're going to have labor peace for the next five years, but I'll tell you what, this rock fight was ugly, and I think it hurt. I think it's really hurt the game. Yeah, well, I mean, they really avoided disaster by getting it done when they did, and they're going to get the games going on in April. I mean, hopefully, it's put behind them. But I mean, I guarantee you. I mean, if this went into June or July, I mean, people still have a bad taste in their mouth from a couple of years ago during COVID with what happened, and this sort of seemed to carry over. But Lee, just before we move on from this. DH is coming to the NL now. Um, what 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 other changes to the game do we know were part of this deal? Well, 162 game schedule. It's going to be a bit compacted. They're going to play some doubleheaders. Uh, they dumped the the extra inning guy at second base rule, which I thought was hocus pocus bogus. You know, don't don't screw up the integrity of the rules. Uh, they got rid of that. Uh, they 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 have mandated the, the limits on pitching visits to the mound. That's going to stay. Uh, they're going to maintain. You got to pitch to three batters if you come out of the bullpen. So I think they're going to try to speed the game up there. Uh, the DH will be good. However, it remains to be seen whether the designated hitter is going to be a vested veteran big bat like a Nelson Cruz or whether you're going to just put a utility guy in there. Will the clubs go back into the marketplace? Because there's now the potential of 15 marquee roster spots in the National League available for a great veteran to get signed. You know, so at the end of the day, are you going to take a guy in his twilight, like a Nelson Cruz, and make him your dangerous DH, or you're going to put your fifth infielder into the DH spot? That bears watching to see what's going to transpire. And then, of course, the a year from now, baseball now has the right to invoke uh, the pitch clock, uh, in which nobody on base, you got 14 seconds to deliver the pitch. Man on base, it's a 20-second pitch clock. They did this in minor league baseball. Nobody knew about it, really, in Class A ball out here on the West Coast, California League. And it sped up the game by 20 minutes. 20 minutes is pretty doggone significant. Major league games, and I know you'd sit along the first baseline and extra beer or two for you last year. Major league games last year were three hours and 10 minutes, all time long, way too long. When they get knocked 20 minutes off that, it'd make the game, I think, a lot more interesting. And the bigger part, they're going to ban the shift. So much with those, that segment of analytics, that's going away because I think the shift really had a negative impact on batters, batting average, balls in play, etc. So the rules kick in in 2023, not not in April of this year. Well, looking forward to all that. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton's with us. Lee, just on the way out, we haven't spent a lot of time talking hoops, uh, but now with football's over and paying more attention to what the Raptors are doing and looking ahead to the playoffs. Every time I look at the NBA standings, I kind of run my glasses. How the hell are the Lakers eight games under 500 and now just clinging on to one of the road play-in happens? What has happened to that team? Bad organization, bad decisions, bad player personnel people, and a bad star guard who's acting like the general manager in LeBron James. And I have great respect for him because he's a great player. He's a great individual. He's done some unbelievable things in the communities, both in Los Angeles and his hometown where I used to work in Akron, Ohio. But he's the one that marched to the front office and said, I would like you to get this player, that player, make this deal, et cetera. You know, he's the one that pushed for Russell Westbrook to come in that mega deal with the Washington Wizards. Well, look where Washington is now after the Kyle Kuzma trade and where the Lakers are with Russell Westbrook, who's just just horrible. He left his best basketball behind in Oklahoma City, and he's He's got a terrible attitude edge towards the media and towards the fans while he's shooting 31% from the floor. 
uh, nothing fits. Uh, what, what's that phrase? Square peg, round hole? That's what Laker basketball is right now. Uh, I don't think the coach, Frank Vogel, carries any clout in the locker room. The players run that locker room like they do in a lot of places in, in the NBA. I think the general manager is a former agent, Rob Polinka, used to be affiliated with the late Kobe Bryant. I don't know that he's got any good credentials. Uh, and Jeannie Buss is listening to other people who I don't think have much, much credibility. What the Lakers need to do is clean house. And this sounds stupid, but maybe the Lakers need to try to patch their longtime differences with Jerry West and bring him back as the general manager. Or maybe Jeannie Buss gets reinvolved with her flame, Phil Jackson, who I still think wants to be involved in basketball in the front office, bring him back. They, they really need a bulldozer. We rent that bulldozer on the side of your building there in Winnipeg and bring it down here. They need to bulldoze the roster because high payroll, guys that just don't play well together, guys whose game is fragmented. I mean, there's nothing wrong with LeBron and Anthony Davis, but there's everything else wrong with players 3 through 15 on that roster. And by the way, the people in the executive suite too. That's just one man's opinion. You asked, I told you what I thought. Well, and it's just amazing. I mean, Clippers, Lakers, I mean, we thought that those teams would be going at it. They would be these teams. I mean, they're in eighth and ninth right now and might be going head to head in the, uh, in the, uh, in the play and Lee, great stuff. Um, fill people in on what you've got cooking at uh, LeeHacksawHamilton.com heading into the weekend. Well, I write on my website every day. If you check it once a day, you give me 10 minutes, I'll tell you everything that's going on in the world of sports. And then you can call and take Andrew's place as a host on this show. Uh, but we write a ton of stuff, cover all the sports, a lot of hockey included too. One Man's Opinion column today uh, covers every facet of the baseball shutdown. And then obviously what, what's going to happen with the unsigned guys who are going to start coming off the table maybe as early as tonight or tomorrow, all those unsigned free agents. If you like sports, check it. Uh, you are correct. I am bleeping brilliant. I, I do enjoy writing. It's a lot of work, though. It's like like you. Uh, it's a lot of work, but I'm not amongst the rich and famous in Manitoba like you. Yeah, hey, it's a, a labor of love for uh, for all of us right now. Hey, there's a lot to get to. Uh, Lee, thanks so much for doing this. Have a great weekend and look forward to catching up soon with more from a wild NFL offseason and much more. My hoodie's better than yours. Now I won't oh, get thrown the, the show for wearing this, eh? BC Lions. Well, you know. Yeah, I, I'd be the only one in Southern California, maybe the only one in California, as a BC Lions hoodie. You're the best, pal. Have a great one. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, guys. Talk to you again, Andrew. Be well. You got it. There it is. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton with us. Uh, all right. We uh, got about 15 minutes left. We do need to get out at the top of the hour. So uh, we're going to get the marbles ready in just a second. So, uh, you know what? Uh, why everyone's sticking around in addition to a great segment with our guy Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Uh, we've got some great prizes today. We'll uh, maybe juice it up for our anniversary week. But a big thanks to Nick and Nicky, Nick and Nikki DQ Group uh, for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Four locations in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba, including the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Check out the new stack burgers available at all DQ locations as well as that red velvet blizzard. And of course, if you're having a party or a gathering, nothing will make your guests more thankful that they were hanging with you. And if you roll out a DQ ice cream cake and you can get those at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs, you can also hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba to order a custom cake and get it ready for you. Shout out to Tyson Ducharme, who won cake earlier this week on the marble race and we will have one available as well in today's marble race and of course canadian club has been a great partner of ours and uh 
collabed with us on the hoodies that we've been giving out to our winners. So uh, we will have a Winnipeg Sports Talk Canadian Club hoodie for our winner. And of course, CC on sale right now at local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And we are waiting just weeks away from the official launch of the RTD Ready to Drink CC and Ginger Ale, which you can pick up at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. CC, a great addition to your weekend. All right, let's get Remus in here because I do need to get to the cool bet lines. But I think considering our time today, what we might want to do is open up the uh, open up the entries for today's marble race. What do you think about that there, CTO? Oh, is there a by the way, these you've done a great these these emotes are amazing. I mean, the the hacksaw one when hacksaw came in Kenny's water bottle. I love the W there. Um, We've got some really, really good ones. And uh, What's this one? The ticket? Oh, a WST one, too, that Eric just dropped in. Oh, my God. These are great. What a great addition to the chat. Anyways, I was just commenting on what great emotes we, we have. do need a mute button emoji. That's a <laughs> that's actually a great idea. I haven't done uh, that for a while, but sorry. Well, we're just keep, keeping it real. Keeping it real here on the program. Um, anyways, um, so you are going to fire it up. Um, are we uh, are we live yet? And as soon as you do that and we go live, then I'll get into the cool bet oh. lines where we give people a couple minutes to enter in yeah. today's marble race. Yeah, I see people are typing exclamation mark marbles, but it's not going to get you anything. So I'm just going to sit here and face pump. So wait, let me activate it. Did, I don't think I, we officially announced the activation. Did we? Or are people you tell just me. typing it? Did we tell people to type it? Because everyone's typing it. It's not going to get anywhere, so... I must have screwed something up and gave people the wrong impression, but that could be. It's not activated yet. Look in the chat; you will see the announcement. No, we didn't. People just wanted to jump the gun. There it is. There, there it is. is. Exactly. So Royal Sports, Al Broderick, everybody before that, get in there again. Um, it's live now. It doesn't matter if you did exclamation mark marbles yeah. earlier. You need to do it once right now. So uh, get it in there. Feel free to use the uh, the marble emoji as well if you'd like after doing exclamation mark marbles for those of you that are with us. We'll give you a couple minutes to do that while we check the cool bet lines for tonight and heading into the weekend. Um, Jets and Islanders. Jets a slight road underdog tonight. Minus 102, just about even money. And the New York Islanders are minus 115. The uh, total on this game is six. Under is minus 128, over is plus 109. Six goals last night for the Islanders. They didn't allow mm. any, though, against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And uh, the Jets also a plus one, one and a half on the puck line. One to go the other way. If you like the Jets by two, plus 250 on that as well. Other games tonight, Minnesota Wild in Columbus to take on the Blue Jackets. The Wild, a minus 189 favorite. The Penguins to the struggling Vegas Golden Knights. Penguins at home, minus 172 for Pittsburgh over Vegas. And the late game, basically a pick em. Washington Capitals, Vancouver Canucks, Caps minus 109, Canucks minus 108. Looking over to the Briar, uh, we won't have odds until a little later on because the playoff games are underway right now. We can tell you that Brendan Botcher is up on Jason Gunlickson right now four to two and uh, let's just see what's happening in this other uh, other one uh jacobs wow brad jacobs is down six one to saskatchewan that would be a shocking upset if uh, flash is able to hold out got two in the first one in the second 
Jacobs was only able to get one point in the third and now a three spot in the bottom of four and a 6-1 lead for Saskatchewan. Big underdogs. Briar odds up all weekend long over at CoolBet. And of course, if you've never played a CoolBet before, use the promo code WST. Give you a 100% deposit up to $200 on your first deposit. Big thanks to Chris Abbott and the CoolBet gang. And by the way, Dusty and I did do a new edition of the Lock Shop earlier today around noon. Check my Twitter or Dustin's Twitter if you want to watch the video or just go on to wherever you're getting the podcast and put in the lock shop and uh, make sure you subscribe. All right. Uh, I think pretty much everyone is in for marbles. Last call for marbles, exclamation mark marbles, and you will get in. And Remus, I'm thinking that we've got the hoodie for first place, our usual first place prize. I also have some moose tickets for the game tomorrow night. Um, so we'll have a pair for second and third place, if you're able to go. And then we've also got a Nick and Nicky DQ ice cream cake. And I figure that today we will give the ice cream cake to the last marble across the line. Mm -hmm. the, if you get thrown over the top rope, you're out. But the last place marble that actually finishes, we will do a DQ cake. How does that sound? Yeah, I mean, we haven't done that for a while. So I am in. And for that year, we've got 157 people in. Um, do I have anything I wanted to mention before we go in? Mm, I was going to mention Phil Kessel. Has, like, what do you think of Phil Kessel coming in for a shift and then leaving <laughs> to preserve the streak? Is that, is that fair or foul? Uh, I mean... I probably would have done it. I mean, if I had to go have a kid uh, oh, and, I I, really, and I really wanted to keep the streak going... I mean, it's the only thing noteworthy about the Coyotes right now, so you may as well make it happen. Um, so, yeah, I have no issue on that. I thought you were going to talk about the big melee in Minnesota last night with uh, Matt Dumba going Matt, UFC. Man, I saw a video of Matt Dumba. Now, I don't know what happened before. Apparently something happened with him before, but, I mean, he was on top of Lucas Raymond going full ground and pound. It was like Tito Ortiz in his prime there, uh, dropping elbows on this guy's head that was already bloodied. Can we, I think we got to remove, like, I'm okay with hockey fighting, but that's got to be two guys standing, you know, going toe to toe. But if you're, like, on top of a guy and you got, like, what, full guard on him, or what is it called, side, if you're in side control and you're dropping elbows, I think that should be a suspension. And I know he was getting uh, booed by the Red Wings crowd last night in that it was bush up. league it was bush league and that that almost got really ugly because cam talbot ran down and um the uh the the red wings goaltender was hot i think it was ned that was in at the time um but you know it was at the end of the period a big big scrum and melee and um that was it was dangerous i mean raymond was bleeding he was on yeah. the ice he was getting pounded by matt dumba it was a terrible look and i understand why the uh, red wings as a team were so irate at what had just happened yeah, you can't do that. And we saw it like, uh, what, Nick Felino or Marcus Felino's dropping the Superman punch and all this stuff. I mean, I don't know. Like, are we going to change? I know fighting, like, just boxing isn't really as popular. Like, are they going to do UFC matches now in the NHL? You're not dropping, <laughs> like, dropping the gloves and going to the ground and pulling off some Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Like, how far is this going to go? This reminds me of Beef Wolski and uh, the old Battle of the Hockey Gladiators event. You Check out that documentary if you haven't seen that. I actually knew a guy that was involved with the production of that event, and it just sounded mm -hmm. like an absolute circus. 
from back in the day. All right, let's get this going. Yeah. Um, everyone's yeah. in. If you closed it out, okay, yeah, you I can no longer it. enter the raffle. And now it's time to uh, what? 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 Uh, what course do we have for today's uh, I, festivities? I got to set it up. Yeah, Ernie Thiessen says, "What is with the Wild?" I did mention Felino. Yes, Dumbo Felino. You think the Wild are just doing like ultimate cage wars? They're doing cage rages in the dressing room. <laughs> you ever do that when you were growing up playing hockey? You put the helmet on, have two guys punch each other in the head. Was that a thing on your on your team? Did you ever participate uh, in that? No, but as a kid, my brother and I had a had a one pair of boxing gloves. And we would famously have the kids come over in the yard and each one, each kid would get one glove and Dunk was a lefty. I was a righty and it was just, this is so ridiculous. Uh, but uh, yes, the wild, what is up with the wild? I don't know. They play with an edge. That's for sure. And, um, yeah. you know, it looks like a lot of that's kind of rubbing out to some other players on their team like Matt Dumba. Yeah. I'm about to load this. Is Eric Comrie getting a marble? Are we putting yes. any? Yeah, 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 definitely. Comrie, put mm -hmm. one in for Hacksaw, put one in for Kenny, and uh, put one in for Dennis, Dennis TFP. All of our guests yeah. today, as well as Eric Comrie. You play like that, you get the Jets a win, you're okay. definitely getting a marble in today's marble race. And then put us in there as well. Okay, sure. We'll, we'll each get one. All right. There we go. <laughs> lots and lots of love for the cage rage in the chat right yeah, now. Yeah, I knew from people. Uh, I know people did cage rage. People used to do that. I, rough that and rowdy, Jay Miller. Rough and rowdy. Oh my god, I love rough and rowdy, especially when they do it like in West Virginia. And uh, it's the uh, just part of the culture there. Hey, let's go and have a few beers and beat the hell out oh. of each other. Frosty Winnipeg. I wrote. I should have put him in as Eric Comrie, like C A L M R I E. I think is that a Kevin Sawyer line? Uh, from from last night. Oh my god! So uh, uh, I, I did Bri. not. I didn't spell it like that though. Bravo, Brian. My brothers and I uh, fought with one pair of boxing gloves too. And then Greg has me quote up. Greg, great parenting. All parents should buy their young kids boxing gloves. Well, I, I don't have to worry about that, Remo. But you know what? I might be that guy that you know. Hey, I've got a nice little present for Evan in a couple years, and you and Leah won't know. And then you'll be opening up, and you'll be like. Oh, it's a pair of kids' boxing gloves. We'll have to figure I, that out. I think I had boxing gloves when I was a kid, and like we put them on and like beat each other. And like, yeah, one guy would have one guy could only punch, and one guy could only kick. And we thought this was a good, <laughs> good idea. It was like the start of mixed martial arts. That's, that's how uh, MMA was invented. I had boxing gloves too. Now that you mention it, uh, I oh. don't know how we like kids boxing. What were we thinking? Derek McGorn, the McGorn cage was crazy back in the day. Yeah, five boys together. I could see that would be uh, <laughs> that would be pretty wild. Oh my god! So we got a hundred. This is a big marble. He's got hundred seventy marbles. Nice. This is an all-time record, I think, folks. Um, and again, if you're new around here, you do have to be subscribed to win. So just oh, make yeah. sure that you have pressed the red subscribe button. Do us a favor if you haven't already as well. Just hit a, hit that thumbs up. Helps us spread the channel. And uh, yes, yeah, so to confirm, while Remus gets this set up, we've got the Winnipeg Sports Talk CC hoodie for first place. Uh, second and third place, if you are able to go to the Moose game tomorrow night, we've got a pair of great tickets at Center Ice. So second and third will both be up for a pair of Moose tickets if you're able to go. And then the last marble across the line, not DQ'd, not over the top rope, but the last finished marble We'll get a uh, cake from our friends over at Nick and Nikki DQ, and you can pick those up at one of the 
four locations in Winnipeg or in southern Manitoba. We got to exclamation mark marbles is already good. <laughs> He's already calling a shot. The medium. Uh, I love it. I love it. And Narv is in there. You were nervous to put on the gloves, just like the Hitman glasses. <laughs> All right, Narv, good luck. Good luck to everyone in here. We are just about ready to get underway with the uh, with our anniversary week marble race. And what a week it's been. Thanks again to everyone that has supported. I mean, it's so cool to see all the green in the chat for the uh, for our supporters and members, and uh, especially all the hilarious emotes that Remus has concocted for everybody on the YouTube broadcast. And if you are listening on uh, the podcast and you've got to this point in the show and wondering what the heck we're doing, pop on over to YouTube, go to Winnipeg Sports Talk, subscribe, and uh, you'll find it on Friday afternoons before we sign off. We uh, have a little fun marble race with some great prizes from our awesome sponsors, and uh, it has become one of the most popular things we do every week here on Winnipeg yeah. Sports Talk. Well, how are we looking there, dude? We're, we're looking good. I'm about to fire up. I do want to give a reminder, too. Like We're also on uh, all the social medias. Links in the description. TikTok is growing. We've got a good Instagram uh, reel real today um oh yeah so support it's, it's, that one that's me throwing a scud at tim yeah. peel for his ridiculous ridiculous shots at mark shife yeah so uh yeah so i put that on there so give us a follow uh emojis we're trying to get, we're trying to <laughs> get to the called remojis what? no that's <laughs> very very well done yeah all right, uh, just about ready to uh, to drop them again. The hoodie for first place, yeah. second and third pair of sweet moose tickets for the game tomorrow night, and then the last place marble will be the DQ cake next week. Vegas is in town. Uh, we'll have to get Gary on. Uh, maybe we'll see if we can get Gary on Monday. That will be uh, that will be excellent to see. And as I said, I'm not sure what sort of a mood he's going to be in right now because you know losses in Philly, in Buffalo, a very tough spot tonight for Pittsburgh. This road trip has not gone well for Vegas, and they're now right on the cusp of falling out of a playoff spot. All right, here we go. All right, here we go, Remus. So 170 marbles. We've laid out what the prizes are today. If you're not first, you do probably want to be last because you'll get that great DQ ice cream cake. Shout out to Nick for his support. And uh, Remo, fill us in. What uh, what course are we doing today? We do it every week. I'm not sure. I don't remember the robotic roadway, but uh, let's get after it. We have dropped them and we are underway. Thanks for all the support in year one. Here's to many more years and Friday afternoons of Marvel races here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hacksaw out of the gate first. Yes, and by the way, the like if Hacksaw wins or Remus or myself, we'll just sort of go down to the next spot for the uh, the official winner. Oh, and a special thanks to Josh Vatsnold. Josh has put together the standings for the Marble race and uh, with the impromptu event on Tuesday, Greg M is the guy that is now on top of it. You get three for a win, two for second, one for third. He is the sole leader at six points in the all-time 
marble race standings on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All yeah, right. I was muted before, but you didn't miss anything. I'm not saying anything that interesting. Talking about the order. Yeah, these weren't, weren't amazing takes so far. I'm just describing the track, Robotic Roadway. This is complete madness here with this big jump. I think we did this last week, did we? No, no, it wasn't this one, but we've done this. Or There was a similar one from, uh, from before. And actually, this sort of looked like the one that Tyson won last week. But uh, let's see. We're getting a ton of people getting booted. I see Remus being done. Nicole J being done. Uh, this is going to be, I mean, listen, I think just finishing this one will be great. Who oh. is that? Oh, Chuck Winnipeg missed out. You see these, these guys get thrown all the way from the end. Miller time, 1980. Miller time is a former winner. Could Miller time be the first ever two time winner in Winnipeg sports talk history? We will see. He's got some company right now. Is that, oh, Gregory. Gregory's in the mix. Who will be the first one to actually make it through? Gregory Liverpool. Could it be? Gregory, this would be a huge victory. Oh, they're all stuck on Everyone's some ice Everyone's stuck chip. right now. Who's going to make there's it There's a big through? log jam. What, what is this? <laughs> I'm not sure. Oh. Got to get out on the side. Oh. Daryl! Daryl Morosky! Exclamation mark marbles. And Al, is that Brosnick? Al Broderick, yeah. Al Broderick, there you go. Okay, there are our top three. Tough close call for Gregory there. There's the Gitch coming in. So now you don't want to be in here. Now the last marble across will be our uh, will be the uh, winner of the DQ ice cream cake. Oh, marble Master, Derek McGoran's still in it. One bird's there, Derek Honer, Kevin Kowalik, Pretty and Pionk is hanging around. It's either going to be Brennan, Pionk, oh, looks like one bird's in. Brennan W or Pretty and Pionk. Who, <laughs> who will go in first and who will come in? Oh. Uh, looks like. I think it was Brennan that got I, last. I think, you know what? It was it, photo finish, photo finish. So first off, congratulations to Daryl for the win. Daryl Morosky exclamation mark marbles who by the way almost did do the called shot that was unbelievable uh and al broderick so hey exclamation mark marbles and al broderick if you can send us an email right now to winnipeg sports talk at gmail.com let me know if you can use those moose tickets for tomorrow night i got a pair for both of you if you're able to go and uh, if you're not able to go we'll do a raffle or something like that with some of the other people on social media uh, Daryl, of course, you're the winner. You send us an email with your size for the hoodie. We'll get that set up. And then, uh, Remo, who was the, uh, was it, was it Daryl? We're scrolling or down Brennan? to the bottom. I think, I believe it was Brennan, but we'll have to double check. And I'm scrolling. Brennan W, uh, was just less than a second slower than Pretty and Pionk. So shout out to Brennan, uh, gets the cake and last. Yeah, pretty and Pionk, one bird there. I was uh, I I like actually doing the last marble across right. too. It's sort of a fun way to do it. So um Brennan, you hit us up with an email as well, and uh, we'll get your details and uh, let us know of the Nick and Nikki DQs. Uh, Niverville, the uh, sorry, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, or DQ St. Anne's, which one you would like to um pick up at. And then I'll get in touch with Nick, get that set up, and let you know where you can go to uh, to pick it up. Uh, overall, great marble race today. Great turnout in the chat room. And uh, overall, 
a phenomenal week, Remus. I can't believe one year in the books and uh, on to bigger and better things for us. And uh, well, hopefully the Jets starting tonight against the New York Islanders. Oh, yeah. Fired up back to back. Um, what a year it's been. This has been fun celebrating all week. You can't just celebrate one day anymore. It has to be a long thing. It's like birthdays. You got your birthday weekend. This yeah, is exactly. Celebration week. So uh, big, big shout out to uh, our guests from the week. And today has been, been awesome. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in and who's uh, hopped along on board. So appreciate everyone. And yeah, definitely make sure you hit the uh, the thumbs up and the subscribe. So that's that's great. Okay, Brennan has just said, hi, guys. I'm about five hours away, so give it to second last. So that's pretty in Pionk. Brennan, very, very nice of you to do that. Uh, so second last, pretty in Pionk, you send us the email, and we will get you to, well, one of the four Nick and Nikki DQs to pick up that cake. So, uh, yeah, send us the email. Thanks again to our winner, and thanks again to the sponsors that make this all work out. Rewa, I know you got to go because you've got, uh, you've got a busy weekend coming up. Yeah, I'm going to Toronto uh, for a weekend. Um, this give congrats is to Zach. for a wedding. Yeah, congrats to my friend Zach. He's getting married. So this is my first time on a plane in two years. Um, yeah, so I'll have to uh, remember how to do all the protocols. So Are you I'm bringing looking, Junior? Looking no, he's he's staying at home. So. Oh, okay. I was about yeah. to say, you probably never flown with the kid yet. That is a story. I, I, I would just love to watch we, you have to we, go through security and handle a two-year-old on a flight. <laughs> yeah, we did in... Um, January 2020, but he was like six months or something, maybe a little less. So it was pretty easy. I imagine it would be different now. Thankfully, he's pretty good at the iPad. So I think I think we'd actually be okay. <laughs> That'll be good. All right. Anyways, folks, uh, Remo, have a great weekend. Give Zach my best. Uh, folks, enjoy the game tonight. Thanks to all the guests that have joined us. Of course, a huge thanks to our sponsors, um, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Not Auto Court, Manitoba Battery, F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, and of course, Nick and Nikki DQ, Canadian Club for their great support of us and the Marble Race and our friends over at Cool Bet Canada. Folks, going to be a wild weekend. We will have lots to talk about on Monday, recapping the weekend for the Winnipeg Jets. Players Championship, they ever get back on the, uh, on the course. Of course, the briar and so much more. But the bottom line is have a fun and safe weekend. And we'll look forward to seeing you on Monday afternoon. Thanks for the support. Have a great one. And uh, we'll see you next week. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.